Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Master of Punk's Tamer Sages, the king of ring himself. But your boy Thicky Smalls, Jerome Michaels, in the house. Welcome back, Gas Digital. It's another Saturday. That means it's slick and thick here. It's your boy, Gerard Michaels, and it's another glorious day. It's a good day to have a great day here in this great country. Coming to us from the studio, we got our producer, Natalie. How are we doing, Nat? Good. (laughs) Way to hop in. We got Christian, we got Ben, and we've got at six foot three. 200 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal, and every single one of those pounds is a problem. The master of punks. Sex the appeal of can be a problem at times, too. It's a gift and a curse. The king of the ring. The CEO of the RNC. Slick Mick the ruler. Mickey Gauntlet. What's up, Big G? I'm doing good, man. I'm what doing up, good. Dog? I'm doing good. I'm doing great because we have a great guest today. One of my favorite people on earth. Uh, I, don't know, people? I don't know if you, you know, know him. You don't know how I feel about this person? This person, I'm going to say a very big compliment to this person. This is the person who's the most like me in the world. We literally have the same DNA. None other than my sister, Jamie Gall. In the Jamie Gall, friend of the program, Let's Jamie go. Gall. Hello. Jamie, first podcast ever. Ever. A true honor. Look how what cute it? you are. Stop. Look how cute you are. Jamie G. <laughs> Jamie. I see them nuts. You got some nuts on right there? I do. Nuck if you buck wild nuck if you buck wild. That's uh, (laughs) no, that never happens. That that would never happen on this podcast. I've listened to the podcast, so Mm -hmm. I just thought I'd come prepared. In case your art starts to filibuster, you're just gonna hit him with a little right cross. You know, you know, people think I like to talk a lot. What they don't know is that Mickey takes three P's per episode, and I, I have to fill the airways. Uh, it's a little bit of hyperbole. A little bit. It's a little bit. Of, it's like about one third that much. Mickey <laughs> drinks a lot it's of water. It's super hydrated. Seventy percent hyperbole. You know, your brother has been bullying me lately. Has he? He's been bullying me lately. He, uh, <laughs> he's been putting my, uh, he's been putting my, my deepest darkest things on the internet for people to see. I, you know, I, I had to, I had an emergency parking situation, and he, he, you covered it like a citizen journalist. And yeah. then I, I was I was. Nah, man, I can't have you disrespecting my gym, dog. I was. Well, Gerard, I get these phone calls as well. Do you? And then I just put Mickey on the case. Is People that right? from the gym are calling. Yeah, I get calls from the gym all the time who's about like guy? who's this guy? What does he? Who does what? he think he is? Get out of here! It, what's this guy doing in our lounge? Yeah, We're trying snoring. to practice. We hear people snoring. Why is they our... thought it was see they thought it was people but it was just one Gerard. Yeah. <laughs> they thought like there was nine men snoring. Certainly. It was just one Gerard. Sawing nine logs all on its own. You have you have to out alpha the alphas. You know you gotta let them know. You gotta. You're like I'm so comfortable around you guys. I just. Yeah. I ain't worried about nothing. I'm not worried That's about what nothing. They say about Everybody wolves. else is afraid of these pit bulls. Not me. Should we play the clip? What or? do they say about wolves? wolves play play the, the clip. Play the, the clip. The loudest one is the one that's at, or is the most fearful one. But the one that's sleeping, that's how you know that that's alpha. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. I, I got a clip. Yeah, it's the, it's the quiet dog that, that bites. All Look right. at this. Look at this. All right. You get some sound? So this is the first problem. Now, this is nonsensical, okay? You got no sound, though. You got to go back. Hold on, hold on. This is nonsensical because I was parked. First he falls asleep in the lounge. Then he's parking right in front of the building. Can I make what this a whole lot worse? What these white lines are for? <laughs> Buddy. Buddy. I mean. I told you guys yesterday I can't take this freaking guy anywhere. Look at this. This is outrageous. 
That door was locked. Come on, man. Don't be taking dumps in my gym, bro. Don't be taking dumps in my gym. Bro, why, why are you taking dumps in my gym? That door was locked. I'm not going to post it. I'm not going to post it. I lied. I'm sorry. I lied. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. What's wrong with you? Bro, come on, man. This is this is my gym. You got to have a little respect. Don't be taking it was disrespectful. It was disrespectful. Everybody would agree. I don't like getting bullied by a man 100 pounds lighter than me. Can we talk about Not that? Not 100 parking? pounds lighter than you anymore, dog. <laughs> you've been, you've been on I'm them, only about 80 pounds less you've than been on, you. You've been on them first four meat sticks, son. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Can we talk about that parking for a second? Yes, though? Please. please. Have you ever been on the uh, Mike Barwis side of that? No. No? No. Well, what does that mean? Uh, um, they do a lot of work. Shout out Mike Barwis, one of the, our great guests. Great and guys. is going to be returning soon. Love Mike Barwis, by, one of our uh, best popular episodes. Demand. Well, they do a lot of work with people that can't walk. I know. And you're, oh, you're taking up that. Oh, you fucker. That uh, we're going to do that. Right you fucker. Uh, we're going to do that. You All right. fucker. For people, okay. Give me a second. They're in there doing this. God's work, helping handicapable people. Oh, and you're just parking your fucking fat ass Jeep right in front because you got to take a shit. Unacceptable. I mean, guys. Unacceptable. It is a Jeep. <laughs> it is a Jeep. I'm on. <laughs> what is it? Like, it's a fucking McLaren? <laughs> what am I supposed to park with you peasants? You Ford and Chevy driving peasants? I mean, guys. Come on. Did you uh, see Did you see the murdered out rims there? Yeah, bro. That is pretty hard. <laughs> Old Suge White honky Kong over here. So I made the decision after kickboxing that I had to go to the gas station anyway, I'm gonna poop in the gas station. And I felt the bubble guts as I was walking out the front door and I'm like, should I turn back now? Nah, I'm all right. And then I get to the car and I sit down in the car and I pull out and I go, nope, Parker. <laughs> and I gotta go run inside, man. That's and that's where I left it. That's where I left it. And and here he is, friends like these, Jamie, friends like these, who needs enemies? Who needs enemies, Who baby? needs enemies? And you grew up with this. I sure did. Yeah. What was it like I've being bullied 24-7? such a cool person. I've, She's I basically do. my little brother. I mean, actually, you go ahead and talk. You go ahead and talk. Well, no, I do. I, I think I actually said it earlier that any, but any girl that has older brothers, they're a whole lot cooler for the most part. Oh, for sure. Like they, but My, Mickey, my younger sisters can attest. <laughs> Mickey raised me well. I wouldn't have wanted to not have an older brother. Like him. So oh, nine years sober. Um, I yes, mean, I, I did drive her to drugs. <laughs> I did. I did. I so let's so let's she pivot an escape. So let's pivot towards the life was rough. Let's pivot towards the the self medicating and from the trauma, no doubt. Well, no, but uh, it, it molded me into who I am today. But it was not without struggle. <laughs> Oh, hey, uh, Natalie! Is... I, Natalie, uh, our men, our, yeah, our uh, producer, member of the LGBTQXYZW. Can I call uh, it the Roy my, G. Bibb community? Welcome. Is that this is my uh, my lesbian sister? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Hell yeah. Wait, Thank you're you. Not, it's a, lesbian sister. You're not a one. lesbian. It's an honor to be a part of that. If, if anyone asks, I am. Oh. <laughs> All right. Cool. Nice. Yeah. A lot of I've, people just think she is because she's like such a cool dude. I've had really. Like, yeah. People I've known for a long time have been like, oh, I, I got a friend to hook you up with her names. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, all right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. What? That's oh. crazy. Did I mean, they I just would... come up and say that? No, I, yeah, no, like, they're like... Uh, Billy D. He was on the podcast. Get oh, out of here. He's known me for a long time. Oh, and he, I love Billy D., but honestly, that doesn't surprise me. He, he thought I was. He was like, I've never really seen you date anyone or you didn't bring boys around. Well, you know why? Like, because you're not flirting with him. So you must be gay. 
Well, that's what I think a, a decent amount of people have been like. For sure. Or like even in the gym and stuff. Because I'm not dating anybody. I don't like, you're not going to hear stories Raised about me. Raised well. So that's, but seriously, having Mickey it put me, I wouldn't want to be the girl getting passed around the gym that everybody like knows about and one boyfriend to the next or anything mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that You're I have Mickey's influence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Christian. Uh, you were out anyway. I did Once I told her you were a vegan. So. Ah, uh, fuck. Yeah, right. Yeah. So wait, so <laughs> now she knows. Uh, I mean, let's go back to this. Christian's cute, isn't he? Is this is this yeah. uh, a thing? Is this what a thing? Oh, uh, I don't like the hesitation. <laughs> I, well, she I goes, yeah, sure. it looks red. I wasn't sure if you were calling him gay, saying he was a vegan. You, he said, oh, I no, outed I'm saying, you. I'm just saying you. No, I'm uh, gay. <laughs> That's like, when you said I outed you as soon as I said you were a vegan, I thought you were saying that all vegans were. Gay. Oh no, that you would be you'd, you'd, you'd out. Oh yeah, you'd be out. You're on the that, I like, uh, that I like carnivore meat. diet. Yeah, I like a, I like a good steak, some heart. She said she likes meat. Hey, oh, <laughs> I was, I, you know, <laughs> She's not a so this, so this is what's hard. Circle. This is this is what's difficult. It's like that's clearly something I need to make fun of you for, but it's like you're making yeah, sense. Right? Hey, come on, exactly. I like meat. <laughs> That's why you're I like, followed I'm it up. I'm trying really hard <gasps> to be respectful. <gasps> I followed it up with a good steak. Like, yeah, she's like, a steak, steak, a steak, steak, a steak. Yeah. A steak. Yeah. yeah. I notice it as I say it, and I try to correct myself. Is that right? Nice. Nice. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Just throws it out there. Hey, I like a good piece of meat. I mean steak. Meat. Now, I'm, sweat <laughs> I'm still sweating from practice, and maybe it's a hot coffee, so I'm fogging up my glasses. Really? It's a real, it's, it's, it's hard being cool, you know what I mean? It's, you, it's not easy. Now, for people that don't know, you do a lot of Mickey's management. You handle a lot of Mickey's I brand. Yeah, yeah, so I have you to thank for this sunglass sponsorship that yeah. turned him into an absolute fucking monster. You know, Mickey no fucking gold, baby! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. They look good. That, you can't put anything on Mickey and he's not going to look good. No, I'm saying. So anytime, thank you, you know, Mickey was number one. This is How thank often you. were you hit as a kid until you said things like that out loud? I, I just I, make I, her, no, no, I no. never hit her. He I would make her flinch, me. though. I would flinch. I would follow on my back, I put my legs up, and I just start kicking them as fast as I could. Like a turtle? She pulled guard. Yeah, she just, pulled guard. Yeah, pulled guard. Not up like kicks. GI toilet. <laughs> hey, knock it off. Hey, can, can a man have not a respite, not a moment of peace uh, in yeah. this chaotic if you guys, world? If you, yeah, actually, let's pull that video back up real quick. Watch G, look at G kick, kick his little tootsies when he's on the toilet. He kicks his little tootsies. It's so adorable. <sighs> the worst part is I had to throw the whole fucking phone out. The whole phone. Bro. You dropped go. the phone on the floor sure. of, a, of a public bathroom. It's grotesque. Ugh. Ugh, yuck. It's fucking unbelievable. No, unbelievable. Mickey, uh, Mickey never had to do anything. He could look at me and I would not. Oh, here we go. You guys, yes, sir. I can't take this freaking guy anywhere. Look at this. Can we pause it on the feet, kid? Look at the feet, kid. What are you doing? Look, look at the toesies. 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 That reminds me of, like, family guy. Yeah, right. Like Peter Griffin. How he would certainly That's really insulting to Gerard. Really insulting. Honestly, I'm just embracing my destiny as Peter Griffin. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, you're getting Lois. into kickboxing. What do you mean? What do you mean? You don't have to be Peter Griffin. What are you talking about? I I actually like you it. You would like to be? Yeah, it's one of the like Ben. One of our one of our great engineers, Ben, sees my pickleball uh, uh, video the other day. He goes, "Wow, you can actually move pretty good." I'm like I was a professional fucking athlete, <laughs> dickhead. Like I literally got paid to do sports. But wow, at, wow, at, you wow, fat you, you surprise surprise that too. Yeah, I yeah. Like, they really do. Athletic fat men surprise people. They really do. They really do. You know, but I mean. I'm not the first athlete to get fat, all right? I would love to have seen, like, I was telling him, I would love to see, like, Tony Gwynn on the golf course just lacing 350-yard drives and somebody being like, wow, you can really swing for a big guy. <laughs> Tony fucking Gwynn. Yeah. Jesus. This whole society is so 
Judgmental and fatphobic. It's <laughs> uh, ridiculous, Jamie. So, if you only knew. Uh, last week, we celebrated a big date. Yep. Nine years sober for Jamie. Yes. Well, right. this is coming out on, so it'll be two weeks ago in the mind's eye for the viewer. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. July 19th. July 19th. Every day. July 19th. So that's your rebirth. My rebirth, yeah. Nice. Rebirthday. The birthday yeah. you Happy earned. birthday to you. It's a little verbose. Ha- is it? Is it not verbose. good? Happy birthday. I got, I got a lot of Feliz birthday wishes on it. Because yeah. Mickey posted, people thought it was my birthday. People, like, people oh. don't read. <laughs> they don't read. Some of the guys on our team can't, so yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all right. Average IQ of Mickey's fan base, go. Double digits? I don't even know. Mm. Yeah. I think they're wonderful. If they like Mickey, they're smart people. You know what my, favorite, you know what my favorite thing to do to Mickey is? What? Critique his sparring. <laughs> he, he hates it so. Uh, he hates it so much. That stuff gets me mad. Like oh, people's uh, watching fights it. in a bar, I like, like civilians. Oh, yeah, nothing. See worse civilians, civilians. Civilians. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I'm like, you know. Your left is getting low. He's been he's been sparring for seventy straight minutes. Your yeah. hands are getting low, bud. <laughs> That's what people low. like to do on the couch. Dude, if I was in there, I'd fucking be I'd be tight with my shit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Gerard, you took a kickboxing class. Or you like participated? How'd that go? How'd you feel? The kid can throw hands, Jamie. <laughs> but Tuco is just... ready to get the fucking uh, the kid. defibrillator out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I will die, but I'll die throwing hands. Yeah, it's a cardio sport. If it was, if it was, if it was 30, 30 second rounds, that'd be great. It's the cardio that knocks you out of. There. Yeah, I don't really lose to the opponent. I lose to the cholesterol. You I'm know? gonna have to watch you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so. yeah, you gotta come Because everybody, everybody has an opinion, but they just don't know what they like. They can't actually. Oh, why didn't you just throw an elbow there? Yeah. Like, because oh. you're across the. I do want. I do want to know. I do want to know about this you though, know. because you guys are both jujitsu guys. You see this whole new thing where it's like jujitsu's not real, just stand up. Yeah, that's, that's like going, going all over it's the internet. Uh, what yeah. are you, What are your thoughts on that? Like, was oh, it Derek Lewis is the guy that really started try it? Try that. Try that. Try that with someone who has good jujitsu. Yeah. Go ahead. And, but your I thoughts? You, you have said this. You have said this. You don't think there's a lot of good jujitsu out there, though. No, there's a, like most people stink at jujitsu. Really? One hundred percent. So, like, do you think the MMA community, like the jujitsu by and large, is just like? Well, there's a couple like really good guys. Like you look at guys like uh, you know Char- Charles Oliveira. Uh, pull, yeah, Gilbert pull that up, Burns. Christian. What was it? Derek uh, Lewis. Little, you know, just stand up. Jujitsu's not real. Just stand up. I think he's the guy that started this. I think he's fighting Jack May here. Jack May is not a jiu-jitsu guy. I think that's J- Jack the Outlaw May. I don't know. You know what the you know what the thing is too. Probably Derek Lewis probably trains jiu-jitsu all the time, right? Like he's probably a great grappler, even though he's known as as you know striker with the heavy right hand. And maybe look, that's a good underhook he just used on on Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson's a good jiu-jitsu oh, guy. Oh, country, big country. Yeah, that's G's hero right there. Love big country. Oh, look at that. He got that good shit. He got that good shield there. Though. I'm telling you, you Put know, back in the face. day, that's what gladiators look like, right? I don't think they look. No, I don't absolutely. Think they had that many calories. No, no, no. They they would feed they would like feed them porridge and shit like that because they thought porridge. it made them. I swear to God, look it up. Like they they were they were portly. They were portly gentlemen. Yeah. Heavyweight fights are exciting. You're yeah. just waiting for a knockout. Yeah, it's a car crash. Yeah. It's a car crash. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, just pow, 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 You know. For, but tell me how the way fights wouldn't be more exciting if the rounds were two minutes. I don't know. Do six two-minute rounds. See how exciting yeah, heavyweight fights get. Out. Yeah. I think that could be fun. No fat guy treaty. Yeah. Yeah, man. So what do you think, Christian? You think jiu-jitsu is real? Or can you just stand up? No, it's fake. 
Jiu-Jitsu is fake. Yeah, for sure. That motherfucker is Christian, not real. <laughs> Christian, Christian had two amateur MMA fights, too. Oh, really? That's yeah. awesome. So he's not just a total pubey-haired dork, you know? <laughs> Good to know. I was thinking that over here. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, you could be a rocket scientist, like a literal PhD that can send things into outer space, and Mick will be like, got any amateur fights? <laughs> <laughs> Nerd. Yeah, that's so true. Get a load of the civilian. How over much, here. Mick? Yeah. Mick, how much does having a couple amateur fights make you respect a person more than a regular civilian? Do you consider me a civilian? Um, no, no. You should be. You should be. You, if you've gone through the training, and the preparation, and the mental, all that stuff to go and walk into a ring in a f room full of people, and you know, try and kill or die. You know what I mean? Like that guy's gonna try and kill you. You gotta try and kill him. You you've you've been through something. You've had to grow and do something as like a man. I just think someone doing who does jujitsu just a hobbyist, if they've done it for like two years, they're gonna be more. They're gonna have an advantage over ninety nine percent of the possibility. They're gonna be forced to confront reality. They're gonna get choked and have to tap out and realize, okay, that person could have killed me right there. If, if they, they if, suck. If, if they, you know what I mean. <laughs> that person could have killed me if if we weren't playing with this tapping rule set. So it makes you, it's it's like, uh, it, it checks your ego. Yeah, it keeps you humble. Okay. Well, that was a pretty so wild G thing. So a civilian. Hey, you got, you got two gold medals in the Pan Ams there, but. <laughs> yeah, no. Did I ever tell you, yeah. about, I ever tell you about the time that I won the Fuck! Pan Ams? I did not. Oh, man, it was, <laughs> it was a hazy August day. Can I get the nux ready? Yeah, it's about time. It's, it's about time to get the nux ready. Yeah. Well, I've done diamond gloves, too. I get no respect around here, all right? This is nonsense. Well, unbelievable. you're going to have one of the most highest anticipated uh, amateur fights when you fucking step in there, huh? Yeah, for sure. Are you going to do that? She's going to do one. For sure. I would love if you did that. For sure. Right? Well, you're a lesbian, so what do I care? True. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lesbo. Shut up, lesbian. Yeah, maybe maybe like meat, and then I'll be like, yeah, I'll fight for you, babe. Jesus Christ. If she likes meat. Christian doesn't like meat. Oh. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Amy's on that carnivore diet. Yeah. She's on that. She's on that carnivore. She's on that carnivore diet. Do you actually do the carnivore diet? Not fully. I do for like when I'm just eating by myself. I do, but I don't. I get extreme in everything I do. So if I let myself go to those. You heard that before, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Us galls. I try not to let myself go to that extreme. So if I'm with somebody else, if I'm with people, I'll eat normal what everyone else is doing. But when I'm by myself, it's easier. And it like you just gotta cook a steak up. You fry some like ground beef. It's just easy. But if I'm with people, I'll be normal. Yeah. If you think she takes things to the extreme, shut up. Kind of. I don't think your song is better than my joke. Uh, well, little, well, I was Billy so, Joel, and I didn't know you were doing a joke. Let's let's take so it back to one. I, 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 I always take things to the extreme. If you think that's extreme, <laughs> you should see her with crack. Hey! <laughs> True. You should have seen her in her crack days. Nine so, years so, ago. So you you uh, what what were your? Yeah, we want to talk. I definitely want to talk a little bit about your. Well, I want to get into the good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk your sobriety. I want to talk a lot of your story. Um, you know, I think. It's important. To, I know in just the little time when we've posted stuff on Instagram about it, the outpouring of people we've had that we've been able to, you know, uh, reach back out to and been able to help. And they hit us up yearly saying, "We're on, I'm on two years now. I'm on three years now. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. That's you know? probably one of the coolest things at this point, like the from 
even when Mickey first posted, there would be comments that would be like, how could you put that out there? How could you talk about that? Like, that's, you're using your sister, blah, blah, mm. blah. Like, obviously, Mickey well, they'd spoke, say that to him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, or, like, try to come to my, like, protection. But obviously, first of all. Yeah, like, it's all, not your business. <clears throat> I, you're right. I, I didn't even think about that because that was so long ago. But, yeah, some but, people were like, that's not your business to say. But it's like, I, 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 I know her. I talked to her already. Sure, yeah. sure. We, and honestly, that made me, like, that made me feel great that, because, I don't see it with any shame. A lot of people do look at it that it either is or should be a shameful thing, or they yeah, have their own shame. That's part of the shame. problem. Yeah, the, that's one of the biggest parts. So when Mickey posts about it or talking about it, I think is like the most powerful thing you could do, and it's been incredible. Like people, like Mickey said, yearly I get a message. Like I just, I had somebody like a month ago say they got five years, and they're like seeing Mickey post about this changed my life. Mm, yeah, there's nothing cool like. Yeah, having a platform, even what you guys do, you sure. grow a following, it's great, whatever. But, okay, what are you doing with it? If you're able to help people with it, that's the most amazing thing you can do. But laughter well, I love While I love that you're giving us credit for your sobriety, you actually did oh. a lot of the work. I mean, don't get me wrong. We did a lot no, of the and work truly, here, but, yeah. And truly, I'm, it's something. <laughs> you did so much. Don't, don't get me wrong. We, we, really, we really carried the lion's share of the load here in your sobriety. Drag, but it's, it's also it's something I'm genuinely very proud of. And yeah. I think anybody who, ha who, like, if they have an issue, like, they're, if they go in and overcome something like that, you win a battle with your own self, your own demons, your own mind. Sure. That's harder than any opponent you have to face. You do like that's why I would say Jamie's like the real fighter in the family. She has to fight a battle every fucking day, mm. you know. So it is something like that I'm sincerely like the the most proud of. Yeah, you I know? think, and I, so many people are affected by it as well. Every family has yeah. people who are struggle with addiction. Well, that's I think I think going back to what you said before, the shame aspect, I would imagine, uh, is one of the biggest hurdles in recovery, right? For because sure. as you sober up. Then kind of the realization of everything hits you. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, man. Well, even just getting to a point to get sober, it's not always, you can't really, I couldn't do it on my own. I needed support. I needed people around to help me and get me to that place. I wasn't somebody that could just be like, oh, my life's not doing well or like these different consequences have pushed me. Now I'm going to get sober. I needed people to push me to do that. So if nobody knew, I couldn't sure. get that help. So we we've started at the end here, but for our audience, let's let's go through your story a little bit from from the from the beginning. That's here. why you're the professional here, G. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, no, we're but doing it's, a Quentin Tarantino movie. Over yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's she, she survives and she's the best person ever at the end. So it's well, like you get to see she was a cracker for a little bit. Yeah. But, but, it's, <laughs> but that's very important to know. It's very important to know that that whatever we're about to talk about next, however vulnerable you get, however dark the times were. The important message that comes out of this is that you are a highly successful business person, right? Out, you're, you're not Mickey Gall's sister. You are. You have blazed a trail in a very male-dominated industry. You're you're crushing it in many ways, Thank you. right? And you know it, it's one thing to overcome what you've overcome, and it's another thing to still thrive professionally and personally after that, which you have. So this story, for anyone listening. However hard it is to listen to, it has a happy ending. And this is a very, very powerful story for anybody that may be struggling or knows somebody struggling to see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. No matter how dark it looks, no matter how far away the light is, there is one. Yeah, and so, that's, uh, that's the point of it. You don't get sober and make changes in your life to be miserable. You do it so that you have a life. And that's the hardest part is thinking, like, how could I? I, mm -hmm. I'd 
even for me, I never, I didn't have goals. I didn't, I thought I was going to die a drug addict for sure. I didn't think, I think my family thought the same. Like Mickey, I know you had like get random phone calls would stress you out and scare you because you never knew what was on the other line. And it was, um, you know, it was just really unpredictable. So even thinking that you can have a life mm. is incredible. Well, now that I know that that's one of his triggers, I cannot wait to put his <laughs> personal information on Grinder. <laughs> says, you want to keep taking photos no, of me in the bathroom, was, buddy? Wait till that was something I was like kind of reminded of uh, on her sober date was thinking nine years before I was pretty sure the next time I held her hand, it was going to be cold. Mm. Like I didn't think I was going to see her alive again. You know, that's actually that's what got me sober. Cause you said that to me right before I went back to Florida and we'll, we'll start at the beginning in a minute, but why don't you, yeah, why don't you go ahead? Well, um, I don't want to forget to say that though. Cause that, that really is why I got sober. Um, we, I, my family had just found out that I had relapsed again and they found needles and stuff like that. And everyone was freaking out. And I was just like, I just gotta, I gotta leave. I just need to get out of here as soon as I can. I have to get back to Florida. Um, and in my head, part of me was like, I'll get sober, but like, first I gotta get really high. I gotta get high. I gotta do it my One way. One last hurrah. Yeah, I yeah. can't, I can't be trapped here now. Like I'll tell, like I'll figure out a way and I'll be okay, but. It's really yeah. Killing my buzz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the next morning you're hungover. It's like, well, I can't go to but, rehab hungover. Yeah. I, gotta, <laughs> I, gotta, yeah. I was actually, I was laying in bed and I was like, I had run out. I was detoxing and everyone knew that I was getting high. So I was like mm. being watched. And Mickey was holding my hand and he was like, you know, I don't want the next time I hold your hand for it to be cold. And uh, I was like, nah, don't worry about it. I'll be, I'll be fine. I'm going to, I'm going to get this taken care of. Like I tried to brush it off, but those words never left me. And that was uh, at the end, like I had overdosed a couple times. I overdosed and um, we could get to this, but that just kept playing in my head over and over again. And uh, eventually was why I got sober. Cause I was like, I can't imagine my life without Mickey. Mm. Like he was the complete reason why I did. And I'm going to try not to cry cause we're on podcast. I'm getting a little shaky over here. Um, but if you, if you want to cry, <laughs> you can cry. It's okay. <laughs> But no, that was I'm not gonna cry, Roy. That's why, like everything I did, even getting into the profession I'm in now, was because I I do and I still do. I feel like I owe my life to Mickey because I wouldn't be here without him. 100 percent would not be. Mm. Um, So nine years sober. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Sunglasses made him a menace, an absolute menace. He's he's just so handsome. Oh God, here we go. Like, why is Mickey the way he is? I just compliment him. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Christian, this is like my life, bro. Handsome, strong, athletic, kind. Keep going. It's just the best. Uh, Is this like? Is this Stockholm syndrome? (laughs) Is is it Stockholm syndrome, Natalie? Can you look up what it's like when when you when people fall in love with their with their tormentor? What's the? That's called Stockholm. Yeah, it is yeah. Stockholm yeah. syndrome. Okay, so we'll get to the Stockholm syndrome after the addiction. Well, uh, so you're nine years sober and you're not very old, so you must have got after this at a young age. Uh, well, I started. Yeah, I started the first time I drank. I was eleven years old. Eleven years 11 old. Eleven years old, and it was just like I, uh, I had a shot. I had a shot of Malibu, and even still, like I didn't get wasted on it or anything. I'm sure I did in the future, but the smell of Malibu like gives me the chills. Like if something tastes similar to that, I'd like it grosses me out. Wow. Um, so like coconut. How, how did you things. How did you come across the uh, the shot of Malibu? I was babysitting and uh, I made like a joke to somebody. I was like, 
ah, like been a rough day. Like I could really use a shot. And they were like, oh, do you want a shot? Were were your were your parents drinking a lot? Were you like where did you Um, get the that imagery at eleven? I mean, my parents, neither of my parents are alcoholics or anything, but I was like. Uh, like people at they parties, they, they could drink. Yeah, they yeah, would yeah. drink. Balls threw down. Sure, it was, sure. It was not, we know. had fun, but it was yeah, never like sure. it wasn't like I had a, a drunk. It, it wasn't like they drink or, every every night or anything. Yeah. Know, on the weekends they'd have some drinks. Sure, uh, yeah. sure. So I um I and I took a shot and I was like, Ooh, that was fun. I want want to try some more. So then any chance I got, I mean I was 11, so I didn't get a ton of chances. But um, if there was alcohol, I'd I'd sip it. Really? I wanted to drink something. And then. Uh, and you were keenly aware of the fact that it was alcohol at 11 years old. Yeah. Like, really interesting. I wanted to. I liked. I, I've i always wanted to feel different. I've always been like anxious or like in my head a lot. So it was the the thought of like, this will make me laugh. This will make me feel good. I want to feel good. I like feeling good. Word up. So it made it easy. The When I was. That, but you don't get a body like this if you don't like to feel good. You exactly. Know I mean? You talking about this guy? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. If you like, if you like shots of mouth. Chicken parm feels good. Wait till you. Whipped cream oh. feels good. That's actually why I'm here, Gerard. It's yeah. not about me. Oh, this is an intervention. 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 No, no, no. Intervention. You. No, no. Intervention. 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 Shut up. Intervention. 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 You actually have something. Speaking of. Wait, can you show that? Hold that up to the camera, Cookie, cookie, cookie. This is your last hurrah. Oh my gosh. I wanted yeah. to okay, okay. Last okay. We all need right. more whipped cream. All right. All right. I'm, go- I'm going on a diet. I'm going on a diet. But first. <laughs> 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 Just amazing. I'm cramping. Ah, I'm cramping from laughing. I'm dehydrated. It's amazing. I need more coffee. It's amazing how many people listen to me and form their political identities based on what I say. <laughs> Like that guy oh, is genius. That guy is brilliant. <laughs> that dude is. He is a wordsmith. I can't. It, oh boy. <laughs> oh no. No, no. That's. It's a little. It's I a, feel it like. It's a little German. Get rid I of it. I feel it like it's we should little... invade Poland. That's all I'm saying is what has the Czech Republic ever done for anybody? <laughs> <laughs> My wow. face is that like fucking felt powerful. I felt fucking powerful. Uh, dude, I was, cra- I was just <laughs> cramping right. after <laughs> practice. I didn't feel wrong. <sighs> anyway. I'm with it. I support you, Gerard. Yep. We could cut that last part out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on gas. We're fine. <laughs> Guys, thank you for this. This is spectacular. Yeah, yeah, enjoy it. That's the last one. Hi. Hey, yeah, sure. Uh, th- three. How many times did you go to rehab? Yeah, I had a few times. All right, yeah. I got, I got a couple. <laughs> yeah, you got some time. So you you were sober at 19, right? 19. I got sober July you were never, 19th at 19. You were never legally allowed to drink. I did no, but I wow. drank enough. How about I that? Certainly, I certainly have my fair share. But How yeah, about people that? be That's like, "That's wild." That's a wild thing to consider. Like, I know. You, yeah. People wow. yeah, ask like, what I drank or like what my favorite drink was. I'm like Svedka. Like, yeah, really? whatever it handle, just hmm. get me drunk quick. That's what I cared about. Yeah. I didn't have, like, a, I, I still couldn't tell you, like, I was sometimes, like, fruity drinks at the bar look nice, and, I like, I'll, I would want that, but at the time, I didn't care. I wouldn't, one, I yeah, wouldn't It was more to the get the job done, kind of. Yeah. It, was to, it was for the effect, not, like for, a, not to enjoy a drink. A grape Smirnoff ice, but I'd be chugging Svedka in the garage, hiding it, so that I could, like, were, get where I wanted to Were you be. an athlete at all in high school? Did you I was. You were. She, I was very, she quite, was a, uh, 
she was a fucking stud. Really? She she started yeah. on the as a freshman. She was starting on the varsity basketball team. Really? Yeah, point guard, like controlling the ball, like pointing. You you go over here. You go over like. Yeah, she was she's a fucking baller. I wow. loved it, I, yeah. and I still do. Like anything athletic is right up my alley. Yeah. I love uh, playing sports, so, but well, the reason I ask, I love Oxycontin more. Well, that, well that's the, <laughs> so that's that's the reason why I ask, right? Is because um, you know, when I was a freshman playing varsity, you get the you get introduced to an older group, right? So you're like 14 years old, but you're playing with that's 17, 18 year old people. Well, yeah. I was introduced to the things that they were doing, and you know, we would drink like crazy going down to like Belmar, taking that hour train down to Belmar, come back up, play a game, and I'd play poorly. And then it was like very apparent to me, like, okay, I can either do this shit with them or I can play. And so in that mind, the sport, having sports was a great deterrent. Yeah. I didn't like when I was a freshman. I would I wouldn't smoke weed during basketball season. That's well, that, like well, where that's, I drew the line. No, but, but that that, like, that means something though. That really does mean something. But I'd know? also be sweating out Svetka at basketball practice in the morning, like getting hungover during practice or still mm -hmm. being drunk. Mm -hmm. um, but I, yeah, ba basketball. I loved it. I loved to play. That was like I played the other sports, like just to do something. Mm -hmm. But. Basketball was like my number one. I loved it, mm. but it uh, it obviously came second to the drugs and stuff like that. So I stopped playing. By the time I was a junior, I like hurt my knee, which wasn't how I got on drugs. Um, but I I used that as my out. I was like, I can I'll just keep doing what it's I want to we, do. We've talked about that before. Um, where there's guys that I know, uh, you know, whether it was college or a lot of guys in the minor leagues would start drinking heavily or abusing something because it was easier to have a crutch to blame. Like, oh, if I stopped drinking, maybe I would have made it or, you know, but it, instead of just right. coming to terms with yeah. the fact, man, I wasn't good enough. Right. Well, there's so like, it's like they're giving themselves an out type of a deal. I think with the athletes, especially at a high level, there's, you get injured and, uh, you know, pain medication is addictive in itself. So the, maybe they're not, I was in rehab with people that weren't actually sure. like, addicts they just got addicted to it they needed to go to detox can you make a delineation um between addicts and people who just yeah uh, so with uh, like oxycontin a lot of painkillers things like that uh they're physically addictive so you start taking it when you stop taking it you're going through withdrawal so your body aches you feel sick you don't mm -hmm. feel good so then you take more you feel fine you feel great you feel better than you could ever feel even naturally so people don't want to stop taking it, so they keep taking it, but they're only doing it, and doctors will prescribe you anything you want. You could find somebody that's going to give you what you want. So if one doctor, you get a knee surgery, you start taking medication, you get physically addicted to it. Yep. Um, but most often, those people are able to look at the consequences, see the consequences, and, and make a change. They can be the people that go to detox once, or they sweat it out on the couch. Uh, in my opinion, an addict is somebody that even with negative consequences, you're still going to continue. Um, but like an addiction is anything that gets in the way of your living your life, your everyday life. So it could be food, it could be sex, it could be drugs, alcohol, whatever that addiction is. Um, it could even be to a person like there's like love addicts where your everyday functioning is hindered by this substance or whatever it may be. It's how is it, ne it negatively affects your life. You have negative consequences, but you continue to chase this thing, whatever mm. that thing may be. Yeah, the, with athletes in particular, I, I hate the rug pull. 
Right. So, like, there's guys, we, I mean, we've talked about this, I think, like 30, 40 episodes ago. Guys I played with that were great guys, great human beings. And they're taking Percocets and Oxys to be able to play. Yep. You know what I mean? And they're not partying at all. And I think in their mind, like, I'm not partying. I'm not doing this to have a good time. I'm doing this so I can lift my arm up above my head. Right. And then the team cuts them. And now they don't need to, to be taking Percocet anymore, but they've been doing it for three years. They can't turn off that, that yeah, necessity right. within their body. And all that changed was their mm -hmm. occupation. When they were a when they were a ball player, they were a warrior. They were right. a role model, someone that was fighting through the pain. And now that they're a gym teacher, they're they're a, a scumbag. They're an addict, you know. And it's yeah. it's Get, messed up. Getting back to my question though, I, I was asking if there's a delineation between someone who's addicted to something and an, an addict. I like is it is an, is do you think an addict? I think is, it's the negative consequences. Like, do you, do you think like that some people have like that addiction gene, like an alcoholic, yeah. like how they say it's a disease? It's like a you know what I mean? So I, I personally do believe that. A lot of everyone has differing opinions on it. And I think um, for me, in my experience, it's an addiction. It's who I was, it's what I was going to be. Whether, Is it contagious if you sneeze on me while I become an addict? You never know. You might want to keep your distance. Right. But, Just need to know. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, I think that I was born it, with it. I, I think I would have found my way to it. Um, I, it wasn't like I was. I'm running with the wrong crowd. Like I found that I found I, I was running with the right crowd, found the wrong one so I could do the things I wanted to do. Um, and it, like whoever gave me the first drug or tried the first thing or the drink, anything like that never mattered. It was just in me. Um, but I, I do think it's something that you're born with. Like plenty of people can do drugs and be fine. Plenty of people have experimented with drugs and don't need to go back to it. But there's a certain whether it's personality, a disease, whatever your brain chemistry leads yes. you to do that. But, is what I, I, I agree, and I because I, I think there is like there there is like people who are more disposed to it. It's not just, you know what I mean. Like I think there's, there's I, I addictive, would say you have addictive, addictive personalities. That's why yeah. I don't do any pills, any powders, anything. Like when I got my surgery, I didn't even think about touching those pain pills. Like yeah. I, don't, I yeah I don't I I I I think I I could be one. I think you put it into something healthy, but that's also with someone's career. If you're an addict or um, you have that addictive personality, that's why you're gonna succeed. That's why you're gonna be that's the, the best. The obsession, right? Yeah. So that that's, obsessive personality. And, and that's one of the things I always say, and I, I, I believe this obviously one because I've seen it in her, but I've also seen it in other people. When when someone is an addict or a junkie, and they're like a real a real addict, and they get sober and harness that energy and sure. channel that energy into something productive, mm -hmm. they become motherfuckers. Yeah, they yeah, become yeah. unstoppable. Yep. It's, you're resourceful. If I need, I, like, I was sick, I needed crack or heroin, whatever it was, I was going to get it. Now give me a task whether I know what or how to do it, I can figure it out. I can be in any room with anybody and figure out how to fit into it. I've even seen that become self-destructive, though, where somebody that was an addict becomes and takes that obsessive personality and that resourceful nature and becomes an absolute titan of industry, a massive entrepreneur, mega money that neglects their family, doesn't yeah. raise their kids. Well, of course, there, there always needs to be some kind of balance. Well, balance is but they're the incapable struggle. of it. Of course, they're incapable of That's that. That's why I'd say, like me and her, both we're both extremists. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna if I find something I like, I'm gonna do it to to the highest degree. I'm gonna mm. neglect other shit too. So how, how do well, how do people with that, that obsessive incapable. personality? Well, well, yeah, go ahead. Go That's ahead. the thing. So, um, it, when you're 
an addict or you have that personality or when you're going to be getting sober, the goal is not to fill it with something else. It's to come up with positive coping mechanisms. Sure. So um, I really struggle with balance. And even like I, I certainly have an addiction with work and I don't uh, I, I haven't found balance yet. But I also know what I get out of work. I I don't look in the like I've never been the person that looks in the mirror in the morning and is like, you're good enough or I love this person that I see. I'm always looking like I need to achieve. I need to in do fairness. Things. There's like three of those people on Earth. <laughs> so like I don't like in this entire room there's one maybe and this, one and this a half. Is something well, that, this thing. is something that probably one of the last fights we got into I think was after right after my surgery and she was talking about this mm-hmm. and I got fucking pissed off and it, and it's it's I don't it's not totally right of me about but how the when she like talks about herself like that mm-hmm. like it, it 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 breaks my heart and like pisses me off because like I I see and everybody that knows you sees how fucking wonderful you are and there but there's some disconnect that you don't see it and don't feel like don't feel that way and you, it's a struggle yeah. it's something you know i've been haranguing you about work to you know keep yeah. balance and stuff and i about that for years you know it's, and it's and it's i know it's nothing i can just say i want to be able to just say you know what i mean sure. like well you know how you know how you feel like all jokes aside you know how you feel when like a civilian like tells you about fighting and how could they know right uh, unless you've been to the depths, you just don't know, bro. Like, unless you've felt depression. Like, you can describe it. You can read a clinical thing sure. on it. You can see it. But unless you've you've been in it, you just don't know. Yeah. Like, you don't know. Like, you've never woke up a day in your life and been legitimately sad that you did. And right, there's I've, just no, I've never wanted to kill myself. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. just no way to describe that. You know, and there's no, like, when people are like, you're great. And you start looking at them like, well, you're a liar. Or like, you know, well, I even from the standpoint of like uh, producing, if there's something like if I tell you I'm going to get you a sponsor and I think this is going to happen and then it doesn't. It's so hard for me to see you Mm. and be around you because I'm like, I've let that person down. Or if like even when it's completely out of my control, a sponsor doesn't pay. But the, the athlete or whoever has done everything they're supposed to do. I want to avoid that person completely mm-hmm. because like I see it as a failure of myself. Now I'm not good enough and I'm but if I'm like doing great and if like I have a successful meeting or something like that, I'm on cloud nine. I'm so happy, I'm excited, I'm happy to talk to people. Yeah, I feel sociable, okay. The yeah. highs the highs are very high, the lows are very low. Yeah. And it, but but there's also it's never enough. I close the deal. Okay, now I have to stress about keeping this and I have to find more. Mm. Like I always more. So finding you get sober. Uh, I think that you're it, lucky you never fell into an MLM. You're the type of person that they just feast on. No, I'm they smart. They bury that. you into the ground. I'm not a moron. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, I got a oh, you did 90,000 last month. What are you, a loser? So Johnny in Utah did 120,000. What's wrong be, with you? I would be running that right away. That was one you of the You would things. be Mary Kay. I was in, uh, I was in rehab for a year. And I, uh, I remember this. Actually, I was there. I was, I, I was there when they said it. They were like, yeah, they were like, we, you got to send her somewhere else. She's running the place. I like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> like you, that we're, we, we are not capable of helping her. She's running this place. <laughs> like she's like, and I, 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 I went down and we did like family weeks and stuff at like, uh, some of like the rehab facility she yeah. was in. And like, she'd like, someone would start talking. She'd be like, nah, that's bullshit. <laughs> You need to ba 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 ba, and these are like full-grown women are like, you're right, Jamie. 
<laughs> You're right. So, like, some of these rehab facilities, the stories I hear, are like, so I, I went on a hinge date with this girl, and throughout the topic, our first date, she's talking about she went to rehab. I'm like, no problem, man. That's cool. And then, like, as we continued on and she like started opening up to me she started telling me things like you should have never told anybody on a first date ever like talking about yeah you know so the third time i went to rehab i knew exactly where i could like stash the liquor and this yeah. and that and you know that's where i met my boyfriend and i had my first three so i was like what is going on in rehab <laughs> well that's a i problem. need to go to rehab like what's going on <laughs> that's here? a problem too one that's intervention like, intervention intervention one of the problems is that uh, like you go to rehab and you're around people that have done more than you. So the first time I was in rehab, I had never shot up before. I get to, I went to a detox, then I went to another detox. And when I got there, I saw girls with track marks. And my first thought was like, ah, oh, fuck, I never got to do that. I'm that like, was your first thought? My first thought when I saw that, I was like, meanwhile, these women have lost their children. They're, you know, some of them have been to jail, like all the like terrible things. Wow. Their kids are born addicted. And my thought isn't like, oh, that's terrible. It was like, I gotta be sober now, and I'm never gonna know wow. what that feels like. Interesting. And that, it, so you went to, so you didn't go to rehab of your own volition the first time. Then. No, I never went to rehab of my own volition. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. They Even tried the, to make me go to rehab. The only a woman time who died. I know. Yeah. No, <laughs> the no. only time I I stayed and wanted to stay was at the end when I was terrified of relapsing again and I just didn't trust myself and I did everything I could. I, I you still, legitimately had to admit spoke, you lost control. Yeah, I spoke to my therapist maybe a month ago from the last rehab I was in and she said, you're still the person that's been here the longest. Over nine years, I stayed there the longest. I was in for over a year. High achiever, Thank high you. achiever. I'm, if you're gonna if do something, doing, do it right. I'm gonna go to the extreme. And I don't know why I go to extremes. Start singing songs everybody knows. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Billy Joel, guys. Come on, get with it. Um, yeah, but I, but even with um, pull with pull that song up, pull nah. that song up, Chris. Jamie, Jamie's gonna keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, we uh, like drugs themselves are a, a symptom of addiction. It's not like I did the drug, I became an addict. It was I was an addict, and then the drugs themselves were. A, a symptom of it. So even when I clear that up and I don't have the drugs anymore, I'm still just as much an addict. Steve-O literally just talked about this. Oh, really? Steve-O, I, I just saw a video on what you just said, and he kind of like, he said he had, that's was his big step to sobriety was instead of seeing the drugs as kind of his problem, like, what was he trying to self-medicate? Well, like, the, getting to the root cause was was what finally helped him. Yes, the drugs are never the problem. It's just what I use to mask things. I'm the problem. Like, I was the problem. And that's not, like, looking at myself negatively. It's the problems within me. Mm. Because that's why there are dry drunks. That's why there are people that they get sober and then they're miserable. And that's why one of the main principles of Alcoholics Anonymous is, like, um, it's... Gosh, now I'm forgetting it. It's because you're not supposed to talk about it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not supposed to. First, first rule, full first rule, rule of AA, AA. Don't talk about AA. Well, and I, I do definitely disagree with that. That's definitely not the case. Um, because it's um, the one of the main principles of AA is attraction rather than promotion. So it's not if I'm if I'm sober but I'm a bad person or if I'm so miserable and I'm complaining and I'm unhappy. Why is anybody going to, but I'm walking around like telling everyone I'm sober and like you should get sober too. And I'm, but totally. you're not going to want to I get exactly sober. what you're saying. It's like when I see the Jesus fish on the back of the car that's going 35 in the left lane. 
you know, nothing makes me want to like embrace Satan more. <laughs> oh. Exactly. I got it. You get it. I totally so that's, get it. That's what it is. So if it, if I, I'm the problem, drugs are a symptom. I get rid of drugs. I'm still not happy. So I have to get to the root cause of that. I need to figure out, like, why am I so unhappy? And I have to address totally. that. Otherwise, one, who wants to be unhappy? Well, have you ever seen the the very funny, uh, not to make light of your situation, but the very funny Adam Sandler sketch on SNL when they're talking about Romano Cruises? We've yeah. been getting a lot of Yelp reviews that you don't like Romano Cruises. We can bring you to the Amalfi Coast. We can't make you a different, less sad person when you're there. <laughs> You, if you're sad here in America, chances are you are going to be sad in Italy. <laughs> I can show you Italian squirrels. I cannot make you process past trauma. Like, it's very <laughs> funny, man. But no, that's exactly it. It's uh, like wherever I go, the problem's going to follow. It's not where I, it's like I was terrified to move to live in Florida because mm. I was at my worst down here. And then I, but. I'm, I was the problem. I could be in New Jersey. I could be in Mississippi. Wherever I was, I was the problem. So you, a lot of people think, like, uh, it's, if I go and I move here, if I get this job, sure. once this happens, once that happens, it's going to change. It's not going to change until you change. And yeah. it's not getting rid of something. It's, like, actually changing who you are as a, a person, the way you view things, the way you handle things. That's where healthy coping, coping mechanisms come in. That's why a lot of people get very heavy once they became sober. Because now they, they turn to food. They replace it with, like, yeah. Food like, is, a, is a, a very, like, it's an easy addiction to have. Right, because you have to eat. You have like, to Like, you eat. don't have to drink. You don't have to do drugs. But you have to eat. You have to eat. And it's less looked down upon. It's a lot easier to do that than smoke cigarettes. Because people still look down look down upon people smoking I, cigarettes. I don't like you guys talking about me like I'm not here. Intervention, intervention. Intervention. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Gerard, we love you. <sighs> Gerard, we love you. We care about you. Oh, How does that so cookie good. taste? A minute, a minute on the hips, on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just shame him the rest of the show. <laughs> that won't does that make taste treat feel good? Honestly. It won't fill that hole, buddy. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Bonus hole. So... You're 11 years old. You start drinking. Yeah, and so you're 19 years old. You get sober. 19 years old. I get sober. And she had been, but like she had, uh, part like she was nine months sober, at one point. Yeah. When uh, except for whippets, I didn't count those. <laughs> well, <laughs> so we do in the in yeah, the halfway house. Hey, it. keep that whipped cream away from her. Uh, ben. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we uh, at the halfway house. It's like Gerard's always... whipped cream. He'll bite your fingers <laughs> off. <laughs> after I saw the way he went after that cookie, I'm staying away. Yeah, good. I saw the mug full of whipped cream. I, I have a cookie. question. What do, what do whippets do exactly? They give you the womp womps. The, it's a wonderful feeling. It, so it basically it cuts off the oxygen to your hair, to oh, your brain. Oh, Ben. Yeah. How does that so feel? honestly, though, <laughs> that was the closest thing since I've been sober. I got like starried once and I was in Mississippi. I was rolling with Waylon and I didn't actually get choked out, but I got very, very close. Um, and we like kept rolling. He's like, you OK? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And it hit me and I was like, I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that feeling. Yeah, ben knows. Yep. It's it, like whip. It's like dust off. That's why so many kids and people die from it because it cuts off oxygen, from my understanding. Um, but it just gives you like that womp womp feeling where you just like feel high. So funny. I see you making a funny joke and I see Mickey thinking about taking every belt out of your closet now. David Carradine over here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're 11 years old. 
You're 19 when you sober up, and you did rehab three times in between. So bring us uh, through. Bring more up, than that. More than that. So oh, bring yeah. us through your timeline. So, when, when did your family well, realize that, that you had an issue? Well, first, one a story that really stands out to me that uh, I should have known or someone should have known. I'm 13. My cousin's older. She was in uh high school and had been drinking our neighbors mm -hmm. older too. high school they've Shout been out Biff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she just, she's, it was, and again they're not the influence would have done this on my own we uh we're at our beach house um and uh we steal we we steal uh tequila i play a card game with my grandpa i'm like no pop up you sit there i'll sit here so his back is to the closet where the alcohol is um she my fucking, yeah she fucking hustled him sweet at grandpa 13. he's like She's like, oh, Pop-Pop, show me one of your card tricks. Pop-Pop, you card love games. cards. Yeah. He's like, oh, great. Like, <laughs> fucking bitch. Mm. Yeah, real asshole. <laughs> real asshole from the jump. So uh, he plays cards with me. My cousin sneaks up the stairs, fills up three little bottles full of tequila. Um, then we're cleaning up after dinner. And we're like, we'll put the dishes away. And we're like, putting them away, grab a shot glass. Should have been suspicious. Yeah. Uh, me. Not me, I'm saying no. them. Mickey, uh, Mickey, our after dinner ritual is the men should go and sit on the couch and the women Facts. should clean the table. Yeah. And we stand by that. That's right. We stand this by that. That was an Italian household. <laughs> uh, Grandpa, Yankees are on. Mickey on the couch with me, ladies to the kitchen. And this is you. not God, I love point. you, Pop-Pop. I miss you. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, only, the only way to get that luxury anymore is to convert to his Islam. Yeah. Yeah, that's the we, praise, we be, hold, praise we be to Allah. We try to keep it in our family, and anytime Mickey gets a new, like, I have a, a new woman's around or something, I try to school him up real quick. Like, mm -hmm. no, Mickey sits. <laughs> you do. <laughs> we, we, we gotta we'll have to do. Gonna have to do a whole nother episode <laughs> on Stockholm Syndrome. A whole nother episode. <laughs> well, all right. Welcome to the so, harem. This is the rules. Yeah. Civilian rules. Civilian rules. <laughs> but so we uh, we steal all that. We go up to the beach. We all drink our bottle of tequila. The one our neighbor cannot drink tequila to this day. She was so sick. Um, and the neighbor's older than me. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know what's so Biff's funny? My age. You, you can... and Jamie's Jamie's like how old are you now? Thirteen. Uh, yeah, I was so they're like 15 and 16 because there's like this story's going yeah. somewhere. But what, what I'm saying is, you can still hear in her voice, like, that little bitch can't handle tequila. That's, this where this, that's kind <laughs> of the point <laughs> of the story. Right? I mean, I'm not allowed to drink it either, though. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least she has the choice. I'm, I don't have the choice. Yeah, high score. Um, you broke the game. I did. Yeah. So uh, she's so drunk, like throwing up, head. She at one point, her I'm sitting cross-legged. There's like everyone has rock driveways in the, at the beach. Mm -hmm. um, it would be on my knee. She would turn, throw up, smash her face in the rocks. We uh, we these two boys. They ride them home on the. Uh, they help us get her home. We try to throw her in the shower. We're like, we'll sober her up real quick. Sure. Um, I had to. A, a house across the street saw us. And uh, I think I went to the door and even asked for like water and paper towels because I was like, all right, my friend's dying. I got to do something. Wow. Um, they called the cops. We're trying to sh like hose her down so that she could get sober. The cops come. Everybody on the street is outside waiting. Um, finally, we have to like bring her forward. How much tequila did you guys drink? Like a little bottle full. But we were young. We, you know. Um, Still a lot of Jose Cuervo. Yeah, it was a lot. And uh, the, everybody's out on the street. Her dad is from Staten Island, and it's just, Mickey, you got to do it. She's He's screaming, but he's like, that's not drunk, that's drugged. 
Like, but do it in a. Can you do it in his accent? I can't. <laughs> he's the best. I don't want to. Okay, I don't never, mind. Wanna. never mind. But he was like, "That's not drunk. Like that's drugs." Screaming it. The cops are asking questions. Um, obviously, like my cousin's scared. She tells a story about how these boys gave us something and we don't know what happened or anything mm. like that. Um, and the boys that helped them that she went to throw. Yeah, right these out. random oh, boys. Poor they weren't. Yeah, they weren't they didn't, like they drinking with us. They didn't do anything wrong. They helped us get her home. And they're like, these boys on a bike. Like they gave us something. We don't know what it was. Just because you know, out of fear. Were you're they talking white kids? Cops. They were. Thank God. Yeah. Long Beach Island, bro. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> this is being a, being a black kid. Yeah. With drugged white ladies in the nineties. Well, oh, luckily God they bless. were they were long gone. Good luck to you, which sir. Which was an easier. We're younger than you, Gerard. This is the two thousands, my friend. Oh, was yeah. it really? Yeah. God, I'm aging myself. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we were babies in the nineties. Was was drinking young like a thing by that time? Because I gotta tell you, to this like to my ear, this is like so young. Like me and I my think, boys well, didn't I really see, start drinking until like 15, 16. I mean, I see 11-year-olds now and 13-year-olds, and I can't even imagine. Right. But, at, I mean, I smoked cigarettes, and, and oh, I mean, but, not all the time. Yeah, but Christian, you're white trash like, from by, Cleveland. By when did you start drinking? 13, 14. That's when people started 13, drinking. 13, 14. I didn't drink till I was 18 years old. Hey! I took, I took acid and mushrooms before I drank. That's How hilarious. about that? Wow. That's wow. very funny. That's a, huh. never a, was never was interested in alcohol. You're a sophisticated gentleman. Mm -hmm. Wow. How about you? How about you, Ben? All right. When you, don't when take you, any yeah, longer. When Jesus Christ. Why don't you add, subtract? Seventeen. Seventeen before right. you drank. Yeah. Good boys. Good boys. Natalie. I was super late here. I was 20. 20? Wow. Wow. Never interested me. Interesting. Until I, until I could get it myself. Like, it wasn't worth the hassle. Yeah. Same. Yeah. See, I was kind of the opposite for a long time. Like, I really liked drinking because, like, I could get like in on a fake ID, and then by the time I was twenty-three, I never wanted to go to a bar. I was like, I can just get a six-pack for twelve bucks. Like, what am I going to a bar for? You know, a whole bottle of Maker's Mark to myself. Fantastic. But anyway, twelve years old, thirteen years old. That's getting at. so in my mind, that's like getting after it, young. Yeah. How, how do your parents not so, notice? So, well, are you drinking often? Or? Well, so the end of the story is that. Uh, like the cops are there, whatever. My dad gets on the phone with me and he was like, Jamie, you have to tell the truth. Tell the cops what happened. Like you gotta, you know. Well, these kids are gonna be, be screwed. Yeah, exactly. So I go over to the cops, I tell them, I tell them everything. Though? My dad just knows me. He gotcha. knows that I'm not just like, oh, I'm silly girl and these boys gave me drugs. Like, <laughs> you know, he knows me a little bit better than that. He knew that Jamie fucked up. Jamie probably did something. So uh, I, um, you know, I, he literally was like, "You're gonna get these poor kids in trouble. Tell the truth." Yeah. So, really? Yeah. He's like, and he no. wasn't even there. He was just, yeah, he didn't know. He just knew. He was like, "That sounds like bullshit." Yeah. What yeah. happened? Got yeah. it. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I go, I tell the cops everything, and as we're like walking away, like that, you know, they're like, obviously, like this was wrong. Or but good job, good job telling the truth. And uh, you got a gold star after that. Yeah, it was and like made her sure because, but also they didn't think I drank as much as everybody else. Like I was, I, I was. Should have been wasted. I was fine. But you were a cagey old vet at this yeah. point. <laughs> I was like, I've been practicing. Uh, and, and when, if you're like a real alcoholic, you handle it better. Yeah, like, I you think like, you so take they it, say. You t like, you know, what I mean, your tolerance is higher. Yeah. So I, I um, like, should have known there. Like, those are pretty bad consequences. Friend almost had to get her stomach pumped. Uh, like, cops being called the first time I, like, really went after it. But you it. got away with it. But I got away with it, and I did not care, and I could not wait to drink again. I just wanted to do Up it again. Up in the ante. And I was going to do it better. They call that chasing the loss for gambling addicts. 
yeah. chasing the loss. Well, they don't care about winning five grand. They want to see if they can turn it into ten. And that was like even throughout my addiction, there was always something I didn't do. So I, okay, I, I I never use needles. I'm not that bad. I'm I'm not doing this. I'm uh, not that bad. Justification by you know juxtaposition type yeah. of a deal. Like I would compare myself to other people, and I would be like, well, this person does this. I've never. I've never stolen almost, for almost it like your I've canary never... in a coal mine where it's yeah. like they're you know they're a little worse they're a little ahead of me uh, yeah everybody so was okay. worse well you know who, you know who says you know who sounds like that is Michael Jordan when they ask him about his gambling on the uh on the last dance he's like yeah if I lose a million dollars in gambling well what's it matter I can I can pay my bills right. well but even I, the, it always makes me sad when someone retires be uh, like when you're that big from of drugs? a star no yeah from drugs it's like lost Quitters. another good soldier <laughs> um when like from a professional sports even like um uh it because you're used to those highs you're used to having people screaming your name in an arena like it, it, there's a sadness to me because i'm like how are you going to get that feeling again how are you yeah how are you rush. gonna sure. what are you gonna do now you peaked and I think that's why a lot of people do have, they spend too much money or they gamble or they go to drugs or different things like that. Like, uh, You think attention has something to do with it? That, that people like the attention, even if it's negative attention, it's how they get attention? I think it's attention, but I also think that it's, you have an addictive personality and you have a place to put it. And once you don't, you can't, you're not training as much. You're not like uh, competing as much. You don't, you're not getting the good, like the, the good feelings of it but you also don't have a place to put that mm. so i always hope that somebody has like a plan and they don't retire and are like well figure it out from here or like they just have tons of money and where do they put that up their nose you know yeah for sure they have nothing you know time money and no purpose is a, is a very dangerous combination yeah so the the point of your story was at that point at that point that you, the that we should have realized that you had a problem like not even we didn't that i had a problem you but drank. you would you would think that uh, after seeing my friend that sick, after like the cops being called, that I would not be excited for the next time. We honestly, I looked at it. But you got away with see, it. See, I looked at it as like I was mad at the the two older ones for br bringing you along with it. I was like, how how are you gonna do that around my sister? Like I even like I was like, are you serious with, with Jamie? Like I, I, you know what I mean? Like that's that's you held was... her in such high regard that you kind of like took the accountability away from her, or that yeah, I was a no, baby. It was I just was that, yeah, she was the younger one. They were being bad influences. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't know so all that, that. That's a great point. Did, was there anything as far as like, you know, trying to get you around better mentors, better groups of friends? Was there? I kept it. I kept it pretty hidden. Yeah. I okay. I wasn't. Um, I, I I wasn't like getting sloppy drunk and throwing up on myself or doing like Mickey probably got in more trouble when we were younger than I did, but like oh, peeing in a mailbox or like different stuff like that. Like I wasn't peeing in a mailbox. Peeing in a mailbox. That's a federal offense. I'll have you know. I I got a lot of trouble uh, with mailboxes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that story I told you before. Remember when uh uh I, I don't remember why why I came up, but um we we. It was mischief night, and we destroyed like someone's mailbox. And, like, this is where your father punched you in front of the cops. This is where, this yeah. is where they, yeah, they they called my dad, and he smacked my one friend, and had smacked one friend. Boom! Just punched me in the chest against like the cop car, uh. and the cops like, "Yeah, you, you could take him. You got this. You got his hand." <laughs> But yeah, Corporal that was, punishment. That was my, one of my federal offenses. So you, you that that night you I got arrested for 
I didn't get arrested. Mailbox? I didn't get arrested. Oh, okay. The cops got called, and but I mean, he probably would have been safer. I had don't he... remember peeing in a mailbox to be completely. Well, that's honest. what that I'm pretty sure it was that night, and uh, that you guys like ripped them the, out and the then peed on him or the, something. I threw the mailbox in the woods. Maybe I made that up. I don't know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so it doesn't. I assumed it was real at first, but I just can't remember. No, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, but yeah, like I, I was never like, I didn't really get caught. I would go to parties. I would like, obviously my parents didn't want me to drink. Sure. Um, but they knew I, I did drink, but I, for the most part managed yeah. it. I, and being there, I knew like, she was like drinking and like, you know, uh, doing stuff that I, I, you know, I didn't want her to do. I didn't want her to be out drinking and I wanted to, you know, take care of herself, you know, sure. but I remember there was a point and like drugs. I, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't do drugs. Were you drinking in high school? A uh, little bit, not much. Gotcha. Not crazy. I was like on my, you know, I was on my athlete yeah, shit. Yeah. I did a little bit, but not not crazy. Um, yeah. But I remember there was a point where I was like, I we were always very close. Like we always had very close family. She was always, she was like this person she is now. Yeah. Like she was, you know, my girl. She, you know, but there was a point where, and I used to never understand people who are like, yeah, I have a sister, but we don't really get along. Or yeah, I have a brother. We don't stay in touch. Yep. There was a point where I remember talking to her. I was talking to her. She must have been about like 15, 16 or something. And I'm like looking at her eyes and I'm not, I wasn't talking to Jamie. I was talking like to an alien. That's the only way I could really say it. it's like it was an alien. The, the person behind the eyes wasn't the pers- a person I knew. It, you know, it, it, was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a different person. And I remember at, around that time being like, I get how people, I, I probably won't have a relationship with her. And I didn't know, I just thought it was the, her changing you know what i mean i didn't realize that it was that she was you know a full-on drug addict at that point and was mm. you know the alien had taken over the drugs had like taken over what was there was there some sort of trigger that you had was there something was was it stress was it pressure was it attention like what what do you think you just i just like to drink i like to um i like to feel different i didn't even love like uh, smoking weed or anything at the time i because I would get like nervous that I was always pretty anxious. So I would be like, oh no, like my, my mom's gonna smell it on me or she's gonna see it. I know I'm gonna get in trouble. Um, and then I started like doing Coke or I think I did Adderall for a little bit. And I would actually, um, like I, I did Adderall for a bit and then um, uh, like Coke started coming around. And um, I would, it would be well, like- Well, I mean, you were 12 now. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was Wild. probably, I was probably, I think I was 14 or 15 the first time I did coke, and um, I would. Uh, no fear whatsoever. No, like the the whole uh, stay away from drugs, the dare program, all that stuff. Didn't, no, I didn't was smarter. Scary at all. It was just... I was smarter. I would do it better. Nothing like I wasn't gonna, um, I wasn't gonna get hooked on it. because yeah. I, I was an athlete. I was sure. I was, I was balling. I, I think the problem with dare is like they do scare the shit out of you, and then you see somebody do it and not die, and you're like, oh, these people have been lying about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think for a little bit, like we, uh, a good family friend smoked cigarettes, and I was like, that's disgusting. I used to steal his cigarettes and break them and throw them away, and then I started smoking cigarettes, and so it was like, you know, for it works for a little bit, but I, I, people aren't realistic with it, and I like I'm. I'm not like the most book smart person or something like that, but I'm also not like, give me a reason. Give sure. me a real reason. Don't Absolutely. like patronize me and tell me don't do this because I say so, because then I'll, f- I'm going to find out the reason. Trust the science. Yeah. <laughs>
Just shut up and trust it. Yeah, I don't. That's never... I mean, Mickey, uh, you're kind of the same way, though. It's like, uh, I'll follow rules if there's a reason for a rule. Yeah. You got to just explain it to me. Just, yeah. just let me know why. Don't don't just tell me to do something. Just, if you just tell me why. Like, it's like the when the parents are like, like I don't need to tell you just because li- I'm your parent. That's yeah. why. You know what I mean? It's like, all right. But, well, like, it can, it can it mean a little more. I, yeah. I think the internet pretty much ended that generational... Yeah. You know, trust, you know, you know, respect your elders, shut up and do what you're told thing. Uh, I got Uber. I can go anywhere else. Yeah, like, like, I, I because, don't have to listen to you, man. Because I, I said so will never work for me. No, nah, yeah. never. I don't think it'll work as a culture ever again. I remember know? one time I, I went and uh, I'd started doing jujitsu at this point. I was like 16 or I was, no, I was probably 17 because I had a license. And uh, I remember I, I, I came home and uh, I couldn't find my wallet. Right. This is, again, going back to where I started to realize there was, like, a problem here. Couldn't find my wallet anywhere, right? And I was like, fuck, like, maybe, maybe I left it at the, at the tournament. And then I, re- I remembered, at this point, I needed to start taking my keys to my bedroom at the house. Because this one over here, old Sticky Fingers, went and opened, <laughs> unlocked my car, took my wallet, took my money. But then to cover the evidence, just threw my wallet out. I had to go to the DMV. <laughs> you bitch. I had to go to the DMV. I, I need to get gone. a new license. I had cards in there. Uh, that's the stuff that I like. I hate the most. The most was I. But we could joke about it because that's no, not no, you yeah, anymore. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like. But that's like that's some of the stuff that's most shameful. Is that I? Uh, and I don't mind you saying that. I'm not saying it in that way. And, and I'm, I'm sorry you had to go to the DMV. I still don't know. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, yeah, you made up for it. But I just uh, it like I. It wasn't, I didn't have any thought of anybody else. It wasn't like I didn't love my brother. He's my favorite person in this world. I'd live and die for him. Like, 100% no question if, like, he's the only reason I decided to live when I wanted to die. And he, like, I would 100% give my life for his without question, like, any, any any day, any time. Um... But in that moment, I kill but, and die for her a billion times. <laughs> but in uh, in that moment, it's like I'm sick. I don't feel good. He'll be fine. I can take. This. Is that the, the drug? The drugs are more important. Is that the just justification? Yeah, like he's he's fine. He's- I I had a friend steal his father's cancer medication and trade it for a five dollar bag of her- uh, five dollar bag of heroin. Yeah, he, he ended up not making it. Unfortunately, it was a very, very tragic thing. But like, it was his father's cancer meds, man. Wow. There's just no, Crazy. there's no care, yeah. there's no consideration, there's no thought of it because it's not. Uh, there's literally no thought of anybody else, and that's why he says alien Jamie because like I was just garbage. Like, it was just there. I only thought of myself. I didn't. I never thought I was hurting anybody else. My goal was never to hurt anybody. I never wanted to negatively affect anyone. Um, But I was in so much pain, I couldn't see past anything. And that was like physical, mental, everything. Mm. I was just a shell of a person and like I needed these drugs. And that's what got me uh, to rehab the first time was uh, like stealing from my mom. And she was like, if you either I'm going to call the cops or you're going to go to detox. Um, So when I was, I just- So she knew knew that you were stealing to be writing bad checks or something yeah and uh i would go and i'd write a check and i'd put books on it and like i'm going to college and like would bring it to the bank and then the bank all knew like they knew my family they knew us and they're like college books don't cost that much um so they called and then um i i had dropped out of college at that point and uh 
I went to, um, my mom was like trying to find me one day and I was like driving around going to buy drugs. Um, didn't have any money cause they wouldn't cash my check because they had caught on to me. And, uh, I was like trying to like figure out some way that I can make some money to get some drugs. I finally got some, uh, got some. And, uh, my mom was like chasing the car down was like, you need to pull over. You need to pull over. And I was in the car with a bunch of other people. And then I, I, they were like, I, I, and meanwhile, I'm like on my phone texting. I was like, go away. Leave Mom, you're embarrassing I'm me. I'm with my friends. Yeah. And, uh, and then finally I'm like, all right, guys, just let me out. This car will stop chasing us. So I, uh, I go with her. Good for your mom, man. Yeah. Good for your mom. No. Uh, and that like really put in play, like for me to get my life saved. Um, so I, I go to rehab. I, like I said, I just turned 18. Well, I go to a detox then detox, uh, I got in there and again, like pretty big consequences or, or sadness. Like we have a very close family. They all just found out about this. They know I've been stealing from them, lying to them, like dude, just being a complete piece of shit. It's like a day or two before Christmas. Literally a day or two before Christmas. I've spent every holiday, birthday, you name it, in rehab by myself. And like each time it didn't matter. Wow. It was the day before New Christmas Eve, I got into rehab um, the or detox. Then I was in there for obviously Christmas Eve, Christmas. After Christmas, I got sent to a detox in Florida. And um, that was where I saw people with track marks for the first time. And I was like, oh, like, wish I'd done that. Now I got to be sober and I don't know what, like, missing Christmas. And I was in there, I was in detox for New Year's. Um, I think I was in for Valentine's Day in rehab, like, this first time I did. Uh, probably 10 days total in detox and then 30 days in rehab, went to a halfway house, stayed sober for a little bit, moved, well, like I said, sober, but I was doing with it, so not really actually sober. Um, then I uh, ended up relapsing. The first time I relapsed, I was friends with a girl who had been using like needles and shooting up, and uh, I snorted maybe a pill like I, I could tell that she had relapsed we were living together and um like neither of us wanted to be the first one to be like oh I relapsed because that was like we both kind of failed what, what's real quick what's your thoughts on that is it is it a good thing because you often see people that went to rehab or or ex-addicts they, they they try to stay together do you think that that's a good thing or do you think that that's a recipe for disaster well, that's the same thing with, uh, you know, South Florida. There's a ton of recovery and resources, but there's a ton of relapse because you're the the statistically, uh, I don't even know what they are, but like it's like a domino situation. One one person well, relapses, and then the entire group. More falls. than anything, it's like one person is able to stay sober. Oh, Most gotcha. people in programs, uh, a lot of people that I was in with, they're dead or in jail or mm -hmm. still addicts. Um, like the majority don't get it. Why do you think that is, Jimmy? I mean, I'm lucky. It took me forever. It took me a long time to get sober. Um, a lot of different programs. I relapsed after them. I, it's not an easy thing to do. And that's why I'm so proud of it. Like I'll tell anybody that I'm in recovery. I'll like that. It's what it's the best thing in my life. And it's why I have a life. Um, but it's what I'm also most proud of and what I've had to work the hardest for and what's really shaped who I am. But getting sober is not easy. It's really, really hard, especially uh, if you don't have support. But there's not one way to do it. And I think that's really important, too. Like, I recently had to kind of pull back from somebody 
who's going through addiction and dealing with it because I was, uh, I wanted them to do it how I wanted them to do it, but everyone has their own journey. Some people sleep it off on the couch. Some people go to rehab. Some people find Jesus. Some, you know, people find all different ways to do it. Um, and I had to find my way to do it. And granted, my way with other people's way, uh, they like pushed me into it and I wouldn't have done it without it. But it took a long time because um, one, it's easier to relapse when you're around somebody who's already doing drugs. Like, fortunately, in my life right now, I haven't been in a situation where doing heroin is a normal thing. But when I'm in a room where everyone is like heroin is common, it's a lot easier to I'm having a rough day. I know where I can go. Um, so it's, there's a lot of benefits, but there's a lot of negatives, but more than anything, I think it comes down to me and myself making a decision. And if I'm going to make this decision, I, it has to, I have to make it. Um, you don't change just because other people love you so much. Like my family loves me to death. They would do anything for me, but they couldn't get me sober. When do you think you lost control? Like you felt like you had control of the situation and then you kind of lost control of the situation. Probably when I started doing Oxycontin. So um, after drinking, I started doing coke a little bit. And then one night after doing coke, I had a boyfriend at the time. And he, his brother had been addicted to Oxycontin. Um, and uh, he's, he said, you know, I know what can make us, like, be able to sleep, feel better. Um, but, you know, we got to be really careful. My brother had a problem with this. And we're like, yeah, whatever, we'll be fine. So I did Oxycontin for the first time. And that's where... Um, the, Purdue, it, the Purdue Pharma knew exactly what oxycontin was when they made it and they knew exactly what it would do i'm sure they had two billion dollars i believe i I don't want to get this wrong christian or natalie if you could check me on this but they set aside two billion dollars for lawsuits knowing that this thing was the most highly addictive thing that they had ever put on the market it was as addictive as morphine which they give morphine to dying soldiers on the battlefield you know, um, and the fact that they were giving this to kids who had, you know, a root canal. Even still, know. in in recovery, I have to like, I have to tell doctors and remind them millions of times, like, I'm sober, I'm in recovery, I can't have anything. Any, I've gone to dentists and they're like, do you want the gas? I'm like, no, thank you, I'm in recovery. I have to make sure everybody in the place knows so that I don't get anything. Sure. And they still push it on me. Like I, uh, in the dentist, they'd be like, do you want the gas? I'd say no. I'd say I'm in recovery. I can't have anything. And they'd be like, well, it'll be a lot more pleasurable if you just do. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's the point. <laughs> yeah, I would fucking love that. Trust me. I want the gas more than you want me to have the gas. So I'll relax. But I can't do it. Yeah. But they, they push it on you. And it's the most disgusting thing to me. Like people. I just don't under I don't understand it's that. Irresponsible. Greed. Yeah. So irresponsible. Uh, so you, you were saying before um, how getting sober was the hardest thing you ever did. Yeah. It was also the best thing you ever did, right? A million percent. I, th- I think that's, that's kind of a rule of thumb. What, the thing that you know you need to do, the hard thing, is probably the exact thing that you need to do, and it's the thing you'll be the most proud of. Well, uh, yeah, and right? it's, what, it's, like as, it's what shapes you. So I think, like, I think about it with our little sisters, or um, if in the future I wanted to have a family, like I – I would hope that they learn from my lessons. I never want to see anybody I love go through this because I know what it's like. Um, but at the same time, like it did shape me to be who I am. And it's what I'm most proud of in my life. Like sometimes I tell people because I'm like, 
if I'm going to be working with them or if they're trusting me with something, I'm like, just so you know, I'm a drug addict, <laughs> like just, or, or I'm in recovery. Right. Um, because I, I don't want someone to find that out later and feel misled or deceived or anything. And I, there's some shame that I was like still dealing with around that, like expecting to be judged. Yeah. Um, but then I also, uh, I think that it's, I lost my train of thought. Well, my question Sorry. to you is going to be, what do, uh, what would your advice be to someone who is like struggling and doesn't, and wants to you know, get out of this, wants to, you know, embrace the hard road. Tell people and tell as many people as you can. Tell people like you, that you're, that you're struggling and that you're yeah. like, how, like be specific. Like I'm say I'm addicted to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You have to out yourself. Cause once you put it out there, now you have people to hold you accountable. That's what I was getting at. So aside from the shame of it, like of that, I was like a little embarrassed or felt like people should know it's accountability. That's why I tell everybody I possibly can. First night, if I, like I'm, I've gotten to a place where I'm comfortable being in the environment of alcohol. For a while, I wouldn't even put myself around it. Right. But um, now, everybody, any friend of mine, anyone I'm doing anything with, whether it's work, whatever it is, I want them to know that I'm in recovery. That if you see me with a drink, that's a really big problem. I'm gonna die. Maybe I won't die that night, but if I'm drinking, it's gonna lead to something else. If I like, I'm going to die. So if you love me. A lot of people also think like, oh, you were probably just young and silly and like you, sure. you probably don't have a problem anymore. I don't want to find out. Yeah. So I would there's no drink or drug that's worth the one time I could try it and see. Yeah. So I'll never do it again. Jeopardizing the life you have now. A hundred like a million percent. There's nothing worth it. There's so, nothing that's better than what I made, who I am today. So your, your first advice would be to out yourself. So tell everybody, because if you tell everybody, then you have accountability. Now it's a lot harder. You can't be as sneaky and you want to be as specific as you can. You get like these come to Jesus moments. That's how I've gotten into rehab the next couple of times was I had this moment where I was like, I got to tell someone I'm going to die. And then, okay, so now it's out there. Now I, I my family. That was the last time? The oh, one time when uh, mom and dad went? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, I want, I want to, I, 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 I'll, I w I'd like to talk about that story after, but I, I, I want you to continue with the steps, like the kind of the advice. Yeah, yeah. You know, the first step was out yourself. Yeah, get it. Tell as many people as you possibly can because you get this moment of clarity and then it's gone, and then you want to hide it again. But if mm. now you have people, if holding, you already did it, then it's out there. Yeah, now you have people that can hold you accountable that can try to help you. And because uh, I don't, I never was able to do it on my own. And I think so if, you're if you're in a spot right now, own, you fucking start dialing that phone right now. Yeah. If you're feeling like you're feeling in that, that come to Jesus clarity, start dialing right now. Hold Jamie, yourself accountable. Jamie, what's the way to hold somebody you love accountable where they don't hate you or resent you or you don't end up hating them and resenting them? What do you think is the best the, way to go about that accountability? The best thing you can do is not enable someone. So, yeah, if have the awkward conversation, don't be afraid of the confrontation. Don't be afraid of it. And don't be afraid to detach with love is what they call it. Um, what does that mean? So it means that, like, I love you too much. If you keep doing what you're doing, I can't be in your life. I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to do anything for you. I can't even talk to you because I can't watch you kill yourself. Mm. So that's one of the hardest things for people to do. But my family put that on me. And they said, like, if, as long a as hard, it's a hard thing to do uh, as a, like a family member too. That that's whole what detached I mean. for love thing. Yeah. 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 No, I, and I, I'm just saying it from the other side. 
course, you probably like don't believe it. it. You're like, this is my younger sister. I'm going to ride for her forever. So it's like you're almost lying, right? I mean, I would imagine. No, because I was there a riding moment, for me. Was there a, I, I understand yeah. that, but I'm, from his perspective, was there a moment where you felt like that could be true? Where like, look, if you keep this up, I, I can't keep doing it? Yeah, there was. Because it wasn't it wasn't her anymore. Mm. It was it wasn't the same person, you know. Yeah. So there was there there was and and it and it, it was it was, but it also what it really was with love like it, I the detached with love thing was something I I it took me like it was hard it was very hard at first, but it eventually it got to the point where it was like yeah, what what else what other option? How, how did you feel as the big brother, especially somebody with fucking helpless, helpless. so so helpless like yeah. like, you know I. The, the most helpless I've ever like felt in my life. You know what I mean? It's the person I love more than anything, watching her kill herself. But, but I can't, like, there's nothing I can say. Sure. There's nothing, that's why the detached for love with love was what it had to be. Because I could try and say anything, it, it wasn't it wasn't hitting. It wasn't, you was know it what I mean? Was a small town where people talking shit? Was it getting to you? Where, where you, everybody's nah, busy? No, I, I, I didn't give a fuck about that. I cared yeah. about her. Yeah. I, I, I could give a shit about that. Mm -hmm. Probably, well, probably people people probably talk no one's no one's saying it to me you yeah. know what i mean no 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 one everyone everyone know better than that but like they yeah they i mean maybe they they could do that but it, even if they were doing it i almost i hope i hope they were and then i hope they get to look and see what she's doing now sure and see what she's become and like haha motherfucker well like, no you, well, you know what, you know what like yeah you want to talk your little shit a lot of those people talking shit going through their own stuff hopefully that they're, they're inspired by it you know well, wow. even um, even our dad, like he he had said to me that he was ready for me to die and had like had to live his life as if I had because he was sure I was going to, and he had two little girls and he like had to just keep going. Did did did, did your parents' divorce affect you at so, all of this or? Potentially, like, uh, but it wasn't like, oh, my parents are divorced and I'm sad, so I'm gonna. It was like. Uh, it was easier to play them off of each other. It was either easier to be. Uh, it made it easier to, to run the con. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, there was definitely like a, a f like the, the f our family being divorced was like sure. hard for me, but I wouldn't change it ever. Um, like we got the best little sisters out of all of it, but th gotcha. it definitely took a while to get to that point. But it was that was also a sense of like maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe. Mm. Um, but it, I mean, I, like I said, if my parents were together, happy, happily married, I would be a drug addict. Gotcha. Speaking of that, so our, our parents are divorced and they like, they don't really like get along. They're like, you know what I mean? They're the best two people in the world, but they're, they're just not right for each other. Sure. Right. But at that, she was talking before the story I wanted to tell. So she's down in Florida and I, she reach reaches out and you said like basically that you're going to. Yeah, I thought you were gonna die. I had overdosed like a couple nights before, and then I on heroin. Heroin and crack, yeah. I would shoot them. Heroin together. and crack. Yeah. Oh, the old uh, the old John Belushi. Yeah. yeah. Nice, the old Chris Farley. That's a fat guy thing. Well done. I love Chris Farley actually. So she she reaches out, and I think uh, uh, Matt called. I think mom and said Jamie's bad, and basically my. Well, my, my mom. So I had I so I had overdosed and I was uh, living with a boyfriend at the time and uh, um, or a girlfriend. Um, I think you've already outed <laughs> yourself. Sorry, and, ESG scores way down. <laughs> and uh, I like I went back and uh, I was supposed to drive him to work and I needed to get high before, so I went to shoot up and 
thought I was overdosing again. Well, in fairness, these roads in Florida are ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I thought I was overdosing again. I, like, ripped the door open. I, I told him everything. And then he was like, well, call your parents. Like, tell your parents. So I was like. Uh, That's but, your boyfriend? Yeah. Or your sponsor? Was he? Were, no. You he, didn't have a sponsor at that point? I may have, but I was getting high, so it didn't matter. Um, I uh, So I, I, he, I told him everything. And then I was like, well, let me drive you to work. So I took him to work. And then uh, I was like, what the fuck did I just do? Like, now I have to get sober. Now that yeah, I told you somebody. Yourself, yeah. like, and uh, wow. so I ran away and he called my parents and he told them everything. And he, but he was like, Jamie, like, she, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. So my mom thought she was ba- like, like he expressed that it was bad. She thought she was getting on a plane to collect <sighs> her body, Oof. essentially. Oof. Like, he didn't, you know. Didn't know if they'd be able to find her, locate her, whatever it was. So my, this is why I'd say my parents don't get along uh, and all that. But they came together on this for the greater good being her. It's their baby. Got on a plane, flew down here, uh, found her, planned to take her back on a plane, but she was too messed up. They couldn't like, get her on, on a plane. Jamie getting off a of crack was the worst person. Like, you thought alien Jamie was bad? I don't even remember it. I was blacked out. Mm. But I was god awful. My my aunt my, my aunt Tay Tay, who you know, came down too. Uh, they so they couldn't get her on a plane. I was like the sweetest she was, people. She was she, they could not <laughs> the get people. they could not get her on a plane. Like she was beyond messed up. So they they drove her back they, up my dad, to Jersey. Oh, wow. our, our dad rented a car. My mom sat in the back. My aunt sat in the front. I laid my head on my mom's lap and she was just feeding me Starburst and candy because that was all I wanted. Because, like, for whatever reason, when you're coming off of drugs, like, you just want sugar. Mm. I hadn't really eaten. I was so, like, skinnier than I am now. Um, and she was just feeding me Starburst while I was, like, in and out of a daze. My dad sat up in a hotel room with me, watching me sleep, like, afraid I was going to stop breathing. Um, he was afraid you were going to run away. Well, that too. Probably but he said yeah. he said he was like watching me breathe because he was like waiting just for me to just stop because sure. I was he knew I was detoxing, um, and then m- drove seventeen hours straight. Just our dad doesn't like drink caffeine. He drinks like a diet Pepsi, and he's like, "Ooh, got a kick." <laughs> uh, drank like five hour energies to get him through. Took me to the hospital. Me and my mom got in a huge fight in the hospital to the point that she was leaving me, and I would be like, "But where are you going, Ma?" And then she'd be like, Jamie. after you're saying the most horrendous, yeah. probably things, I would be like hysterical. I don't even know. I was blacked out. I just yeah. know the stories. But then she would leave and I would be like, Ma, where are you going? You come back. Like, I'll see you in a little bit. Like, I was just out of my mind. Um, the, the, you were, and you were you were trying to like, like stop at a gas station to pee. And you, you were trying to like, I was trying to shoot up. I was trying to hide drugs. I was trying to get drugs. I was trying to do anything that I possibly could. Um, I like anything because i just couldn't like i couldn't be sober at that point it it really it really humanizes the people that you see the homeless people the addicts that you see on the the, the, you know the street people whatever you want to call them you know because you're like man there's a real human being there well i have if they could if they could clean up you don't know who they were before it you don't know what they're capable of that's the thing man people's potential too yeah, I, I'm you know? reminded. So there's a I I live near a train station and there's a lot of there's like four benches and there are always homeless people sleeping on them. And every morning when I wake up, I take my dog for a walk or I go out there and I work out. And I can't tell you how grateful I am because 
that's me. So I also do like I do as much as I possibly can for them within reason. But like a hot day, I'll bring Without out ice them, yeah. or or something like that because that should be me. That could be me. There's no reason that isn't me. So I also like I don't look down upon them because sure. I had my family. I like if had I not had my family, I wouldn't be alive today. I'm certain of that. Or I would be like so far gone that I there is no hope. So obviously, like. Uh, if you can get help, get help, but you get to a point that you can't. So I even, I'll even give them money sometimes because I'm like, you're going to get your drugs one way or another. Better you don't go rob some old lady for it. Oh, interesting. I'd rather, perspective. Like, I'd rather you not be that desperate, even though maybe it only helps you this one time or maybe that's going to be the one that you uh, kill yourself on. God, I hope not. I hope that it's not my money that ends up taking you there. Yeah, yeah you have a massive amount of empathy for, for these people. Yeah. yeah, it should be me. It could be me. I swear to God, I think that every single morning. And I like when I'm working out, and I couldn't be happier because I'm like, they, they wouldn't even want to do this. I have the luxury of being able to work out. Like if, if I'm uncomfortable, if I don't want to go to work, I have meetings. I'm like, what a luxury I have. Yeah, great perspective. It's, yeah. It's because uh, 100% it should have been me, but I – was fortunate that my family pushed me into it. Then I went to that rehab that told them like she needs more. Yeah. I went to another place, did 90 days after doing uh, 30 days in New Jersey plus detox, uh, and I wanted I didn't want to leave. So they made an exception. My last rehab I was in uh, was like this program, one of the best. If you need like Pine Grove Behavioral Health in Mississippi, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, I, just incredible. It literally yeah. saved my life. I we'll put a link yeah, in the description. Great, great, yeah. Natalie, we'll throw place. a link in the description there. And it's for everything. They have so they have a women's program, a men's program. They have a sex and love addiction. I did the women's program, and then they have this thing called the professional enhancement program. Now, mind you, all of my college years, I was in rehab. I don't have a degree. I don't have like any sort of anything. Professional enhancement program is for all like doctors, lawyers, people that have like uh, an issue with a license. Whether it be drugs or al- or alcohol, whatever. And it may mind be. you, this is the place also where Jamie was 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 telling all these like high level professionals like, nah, that's bullshit. You need to talk to your family differently because blah 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 blah. <laughs> fucking 18, 17, 18, 19 years old. Sure. Yeah. Fucking pretty, you know. Running, I mean? running. Run I mean, still a Jersey girl at the other. <laughs> Jamie G. And uh-huh. so I I did um, I went to this thing that was a uh, I know uh, but so I went to this place that it was for like all professionals. Um, I stayed there for over nine months, um, or maybe just under nine months, uh, just because I needed to be safe. I was terrified of the world. And I, I knew, so they made an exception. They put me into this program, let me stay as long as I wanted to. Mm. And uh, finally, I ended up moving back to Jersey, but like saved my life. And if you, so, you know, if you need help, call there. They have great resources, even if you can't go there. Or, you know, reach out to Mickey Wait. or myself, anybody. Yeah, for sure. Um, Somebody. And, uh, Jared Gordon's uh, is one yeah. who's helping a lot of people. Uh, UFC fighter, Jared Gordon. Got um, robbed. Yeah. yeah well, got... people like Jared, Matt Brown, like people that yeah. have like been through Court that. McGee. I would watch them fight. And I like Matt, Matt Brown was one person that I almost cried when I met because I'd watch him fight and Mickey would hit me up and he would be like, you know, like that could be you. Like, look at this guy achieving something. He, like, went through what you went through. You could do it. Yeah. Yeah. D- died. died. The immortal. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I remember watching him and just being like, I could never fucking do that. One of my best friends now. And, that, you know, we used to just yeah. watch him. Now it's, it's one of my buddies. The coolest thing in the world was, like, 
seeing him, but I also like didn't even want to talk to him because I was like, you're like uh, just everything that I wanted to be. I wanted to be successful, but I thought like that would never be me. It never could be. What do you think about the whole rock bottom thing? How, that um, you, you can't really, until you hit rock bottom. You certainly can get sober. You don't need to do that. <laughs> I, like, I agree. don't, don't, uh, that, that was a wonderful excuse in my head of like, I need to get lower. I could get lower. I should do more, whatever. Yeah. Um, you certainly don't need ever to go that low. Um, it was what I needed for whatever reason, but don't wait for it because it only gets worse. As soon as you get back to doing the drugs, no matter what you've built up, you lose it all. Um, like, it's fucking miserable. I, I, I would quantify it like this. The, this is my experience different than your experience, but that what you said earlier really resonated with me with the justification of other people's rock yeah, bottoms. Yeah. Like, my rock, this isn't rock bottom. That guy, is, that's rock bottom. You, what you think is not your rock bottom at one point, if you do make the change, two, three years later, you're going to look at that as like, man, I'm never going to be that happy again. Yeah. Like what you are like justifying is not your rock bottom is like the top of the mountain to climb three years later. Yeah. You know, it's yes, 100%. Do not nip that shit in the bud. Bro, because you have no idea, you have no concept of how bad it can get. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it it doesn't have, like, it happens so fast. Yeah. You know? I think I swear, like, the what saves me and has saved me a million times from going back is I'm certain I'll die. I'm certain if I like if I don't hurt somebody else, if I don't end up like dry, dry, uh, drunk driving or sure. like I will a thousand percent die. And that's a lot of people's rock bottom. And it hurts the people around you more than anything. And I'm never going to be like, I'm not going to be that selfish. Like I, the only reason I go back out is because I want to die, but I, I have promised Mickey, like, I, in any Say way that... Say that the only reason you... Like, uh, if I went back out to... Went back to using went drugs. Went back to using drugs, it's because I, I'm suicidal and I want to die. But I'm never going to do that to my family because I get... Maybe I get peace, whatever comes after. Um, at their expense. At, yeah. I, I only hurt the people around me, and I'm not willing to do that. So for times when I can't do it for myself... Having my family, knowing that they love me, knowing that they care about me, or just anybody that you care about that you don't want to hurt. Like, when you can't do it for yourself, do it for someone else. But the only way you're really going to do it is when you do it for yourself. Um, because one day Mickey's going to make me mad. And if, I'm, if I want to be spiteful, then what? I go drink or I go do a drug. Like, it's I have to do it you for You hurt yourself me. to hurt them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to do it for me at the end of the day. But having somebody like like I said, Mickey's why I got sober. I did not I did not care if I lived or die at that point. Mm-hmm. But I when I overdosed, um, I felt like I got to a point like it, it was like a dream is what how I remember it. And it seemed like there was a point where I could go forwards or backwards. Forward was like I had to live, and there was light. Backwards was just peace, and it was dark, and it looked like I felt like I could just fall back asleep. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember you talking about this before. That's that's heavy though. So you were in an overdose, and you felt like you could have gone either way. Like you could have chose yeah. life, or you could have chose death at that time. Yeah, I and I, I that's exactly like I remember it as if it was a dream. I had like a dream of other things that were going on at the time, 
Um, well, what I remember exactly is I had shot up and I didn't want to shoot up as much as I did, but I couldn't hit a vein. Somebody else did it for me and they did the full amount instead of what I would have wanted to do. So I stood up and I was like, oh, fuck. I've never, and I think I was like, I ain't never been this high. Like, said something I would never I'll say. I do declare. <laughs> yeah, like, I, was like, I ain't never done been this high. Yeah. She's so high, she's antebellum. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I talked, like, completely. And I remember, like, being like, huh? That sounded weird. And yeah. then I just started, see, like, having a seizure. Like, I remember being confused by how I was speaking, and then I had a seizure. Um, but I, uh, at, during that time, I was kind of, like, dreaming. And then at the end of it, it was like I could go one way and it was peace. And I felt like I could just relax and like everything would just be fine. I could just finally like breathe like what I'd been looking for. Or I could go forward and I kept seeing Mickey and I kept hearing his voice and I kept hearing him say like that he didn't want the next time he held my hand for it to be cold. And I can't look at you right now or I'm going to start crying. <laughs> um, but I and I remember just being like fucking mickey and then like all right i gotta go that that way and i remember like i was annoyed with him that I, he wouldn't let me die um and i uh so i i felt like i made that decision to like fight through and not just let go and die um and then you know i woke up and i was like i'm never doing this again a couple hours later i was but then a couple days later i finally asked for the help uh and thank fucking god i did because uh, i mean like no drug no alcohol nothing is it's never worth it and like hating yourself being miserable there's an easier softer way and like you have to go through a difficult time but that if somebody said like you never have to feel this way again you never have to feel this way again and i remember like going into detox going into rehab every single day it got better it got easier Today, I barely have to think about it. I think about it from a sense of pride and excitement and like, oh, shit, my anniversary is coming up. Um, like, I know what I can and can't do, but I never have to feel the way I did that last day. I, like, the misery, the shame, the guilt, like, all of that, like, wanting to die, hoping, like, maybe this will be the last time. Uh, like, you never have to feel that way again. You do it one day, and it sucks, and then it's easier every single day. You get to 30 days, and like you're feeling like a rock star then like times get harder but if you just keep going it gets better and when you like i'd say like after a year like that was like the most exciting thing for me to ever achieve was to get a year sober and it just gets easier if you keep just you try to do the next right thing you try to take care of yourself you're never going to be get perfect. that momentum going yeah you get that momentum but it, like i remember thinking in the beginning all right if i if i relapse now I got to start again. I got to try again. Like, I don't want to. I never want to feel that way again. So I'm never going to fucking put myself in that position. And I, like, promise myself that, you know, if I don't, if I do it again, I'm going to die. So I, maybe I don't have to feel that way again, but I'm for sure going to die. So I hope I never get to that point and I do everything I can to not get to that point. Um, and that's why I tell everybody, like, if you love me, don't tell me that maybe I'm not a drug addict. Maybe I was just a little party girl. Maybe I was crazy or immature or whatever. I don't want to find out. So that's like, I never have to feel that way again. That's why I remind myself every day because there's no worse feeling than that. That was heavy. It's a, remark a remarkable story, Jamie. It really is. And, I, I you know, your bravery and your vulnerability in, in telling it uh, 
is something very, very special. It's the first time I almost cried on the podcast. Gerard cried on the Chaz Palminteri one. And I didn't get any tears. Huh? You don't care I was going to die? I, I hold my baseball. I hold it tight. <laughs> I hold my baseball. This is my blanket. Uh, I, know, I know we're running over time here, but uh, this, is, this has been fantastic. I, no, I do we'll have keep, two more got, questions uh, here. Yeah, we're going to keep going. Um, Mick, you had told me, and this is a question for you. You had told me early on in one of the uh, one of our first meetings or one of the podcasts I can't remember that kind of your solace in the gym came from the family turmoil that you had had, right? When I when I started fair? doing uh, jujitsu yeah. at like Grace, New Jersey, with David Adiv and all those people, that was my therapy. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was it was I I knew I wanted to I did that because I wanted to fight and stuff, but it was a hundred percent therapy to me. So it was a time when I would go there and I don't I'm not thinking about any of the I'm not thinking about how worried I am about my sister. I, I was I had a, a break from that. I when someone's trying to choke you, it makes you kind of focus, put your focus elsewhere, you know, so that it was very therapeutic for me. And it, you know, it's it's still therapy to me. So so you were able to kind of turn that pain into passion and purpose. Right. So so. There's two real powerful perspectives for anybody listening to this. You know, uh, there's really three big takeaways from this this episode. Is if you're struggling, this is how you can get help. If you're if you love someone who's struggling, this is how you can help them. But also, the other side of it is how how do you not become self-destructive as well? Right. How many people who you know in my own family. An addiction in the family has caused a cascading effect in the rest of the family, uh, and and you were able for to. For me, kinda... it was it was never an option. I, uh, I mean, I almost want to like protect her, but I like I saw what it was doing to uh, my parents. I wasn't gonna put more shit on their plate. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was it was hard for them. It, you know what I mean? It, it it was it's like I felt the helpless feelings. I know they felt the helpless feelings. It's their baby. You know. I think it's harder. For the family, like, I think it's harder to love an addict than it is to be the addict because, like, I'm, like, Mickey, like, I'm possessed by something else. I'm nowhere near reality. All I'm thinking about is that next drug. I'm not thinking about anybody else. I don't care about myself. I don't care about anybody yeah. else. And, but when you have to watch your loved one and you can't do anything, there's nothing you can do but try and then you try and then you get stolen from and then you try and then they hate you and you're like but i just fucking love you i want you to be okay and especially addicts tend to be so charming too don't they they're so charming because we got we got stuff we need (laughs) yeah yeah and and you know that helpless feeling i mean when when did you feel like you were out of the weeds when did you feel like she was out of the weeds um when she when she was down in mississippi there was a lot of times where I'd, I'd, fe- I'd felt like I'd had like glimmers of hope. Like when, so when she was nine months sober, I guess, with, but with it, <laughs> we did, we just thought she was nine months well, sober. You know I they, actually you thought she was nine months sober until right now. I, just, I didn't, I didn't know the whippets thing until right now today. You know what they call I can't it? take the credit for it because I didn't like actually earn it. I, I would not nah. consider that sober. I don't do anything. I didn't even drink kombucha for a while. I'm sober, sober, sober. I don't yeah, drink. No, no I don't California do sober where you smoke well, so weed. So that, that's the thing. California sober is where they smoke weed. We just invented a new thing where you're sober except for whip, whippets. We're going to call that Philadelphia sober. <laughs> that's Philadelphia sober. <laughs> I just, <laughs> it's, 
like cause I'm I, sober except for spray paint. I'm sober. I'm like when I say sober, I mean sober. Like there's no. You mood. limit your ca caffeine intake. Yeah, yeah like, you don't yeah. even you don't even smell the gasoline when you're. But pumping. speaking of caffeine, with these brute seltzers, <laughs> everything is better. Brute makes me want to change my mind. Brute, I'm like, I'll get back on that caffeine. Get back maybe. on that caffeine yeah. train. You know what I'm saying? So, I so that that is though how I do want to finish this podcast because this really has been such, and you really are such a really truly impressive person, Jamie. Thank I appreciate you. you coming on. You know, especially. You know, uh, the vulnerability. The vulnerability for for women is even harder than men. You know, laying yourself bare. I mean, it's really, really something. I can't thank you enough. But you, you've come full circle now. You're highly successful in your business. For people coming out of it, right? They, when you try now to recreate your life and get into a workplace, what advice do you have for for people coming out of it that that are trying to restart? Um. I, you don't always have to tell people you're in recovery. You, that's your business. If you want to tell somebody, tell somebody. If you don't, don't. I don't know if that's true. I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but when you look at the resume and the resume has a six year I've, I have no problem talking about it. I tell yeah. everybody, I've told everybody I've ever worked for, I've told them I've never not gotten a job because of it. Um, but I've also they proven be, myself. They should be chomping at the bit to hire uh, a sober addict. Yeah. Because yeah. they're going to be a fucking bulldog. Well, yeah, the, ca we the capitalist our... in me immediately goes, well, I can get a good employee for half the price. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they're going to they're they're gonna work more for... I'm going to get a $100,000 employee for, for a $50,000 uh, salary here. What other yeah. options you got? Top high, high achievers. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's ever a reason to need to hide it. Honestly, I put it out there right away, and I'm like, if you want to judge me on that, like... It's First not gonna all, be the right. It's not gonna be the right spot for you. Well, yeah, but you also yeah. you probably have plenty of shit yourself. You, if you have an issue with me because I've overcome something, like I don't really care what your opinion is. Sure. Well, well, yeah. Then it just becomes like the trust of you have overcome. It, yeah, right? I yeah. I but I also I think less of you if you're judgmental of people for like just in general i think less of you 100 uh, a lot but a big part for people you, know, you guys are tough guys from a tough family a big part of struggling with recovery for people is dealing with that kind of shame and that social anxiety that yeah. you know like what if anybody finds out like what if you know like, i just think it's fucking dope it's awesome if if you're getting sober like literally it's the proudest day of the year is her sober date for me i agree it's, I, uh, I, like everybody's got a fucking birthday you all right? Congratulations! Your parents fucked, and you were born nine months later, and now you're we're just Jesus. celebrating that. She had to earn this shit every fucking day. You know I, what I mean? Like I, that's that's real. You know what I, I mean? Oh, fuck a birthday. When I meet someone, like I met somebody who I was actually working with, and a couple sentences that she said to me, and I was like, "This chick's in recovery." Liked her a million times more. Will do like, and not that I didn't that I disliked her before, but it, when somebody's in like or it's gone through something or yep. uh, like you can just tell like you could you can normally if you're a drug addict or an addict or recovery you yeah can the non-sequitur tattoos are normally a pretty good <laughs> yeah, like... you can uh you can normally like just you tell it by the way they speak and stuff and i have so much more respect for that person right off the jump because i know they've seen hell i know it i know that they get what i they understand life better in my opinion but i think like find a job that's easy find something that's simple i worked in a pancake house Original, uh, not IHOP, original House of Pancakes. Original House of Pancakes. Oh, I miss that every day. 
some days when I'm stressed and stuff, I was like, I wish I could go sling some pancakes, come back, take a nap, just chill out, not have to think about work. Jamie G, if you ever want to sling some pancakes, you come by your brother's place. <laughs> <laughs> you sling, so you sling some fat jacks around here. But like, you find a job that's the easiest job that you don't have to think about. It's no stress. Put as little stress in your life. Only focus on getting on staying sober. Mm -hmm. um, like, just find a well, very. This, this is great because this goes back to. Uh, so the first part, uh, I'm, I'm going to rehash. The first part was out yourself. Yeah. Tell everybody. Then what, do you go to de is it detox next? That's What's the thing. Everybody, it's hard to say. Everybody has a different process. If I try to make somebody do it my way, they're not going to do it. You know. What do you think so, is just a next logical step? What, like a well, reasonable. What, I, what I'll say, I did what I would suggest, uh, but it certainly is not the only way. But um, you know, if you're you know if you're having withdrawals, it's a lot easier to get sober by going to detox. They can give you medication that can help you to ease the pain and but not die because people die if, they're, if die. they're on heavy shit and then they just stop depending, cold turkey. Yeah, depending what you're doing. If you're on like um, like alcoholics, they can really have a big problem. Uh, people that do like benzos and stuff like that could they can all die. Um, so like heroin. Uh, Oxycontin, you can cold turkey, but you're gonna be fucking miserable. So you could go somewhere that can help you, can give you some medication that weans you off of it, and doesn't don't leave with medication from that place. Suboxone is miserable to get off of. It's a, a it's a substance that they give you to help you to come off and to detox. But there's nothing to get you off of that. Yeah, so you see Atlantic City with the methadone clinics. Methadone, you, same thing. Yeah. Like, it's it's miserable. So take it. You shouldn't take it more than three to four days. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure. So, like, going to detox, I found going to rehab really helpful. I don't think 30-day programs are worth it. I think a 90-day is minimum. 30-day um, is, like... It can get you right, but you don't really, you, that's not enough time to process and go through and make changes and really change your life. You're breaking a habit of years, 10 days in a detox, 30 days in a treatment. That's not going to be enough. Mm. Um, but you also like just take it day by day, go to detox. And, and then from there, like just try to stay sober. You know, you only have yeah, to stay don't sober do drugs today. today. Yeah. Just today, I won't do drugs. We'll face tomorrow when we get there. Yeah. Like, I, when you face tomorrow. I'm not I doing drugs today. I think 90 days is a good place to get a foundation, and then you go to like an IOP or uh, like some sort of intensive outpatient. outpatient. Yes, is IOP. A, yeah, intensive outpatient, some sort of outpatient, so that you're continuing to work on yourself. Work with a therapist, talk to people, have a good group of people around you. If meetings are your thing, go to meetings. If church is your thing, go to church. The main thing is you got to get to the root cause. So it's not it's not stop the drugs, the alcohol, stop the symptom. They're a symptom. That's all they are. It's a symptom of something a lot bigger in you. So you have to get to the bottom of it. So however that is, everybody has different ways of dealing with trauma or, um, you know, anxiety, whatever, whatever your core thing is, not loving yourself. How are you going to get yourself to love yourself? You got to change the way you act, your actions, like redeemable actions are incredible to make you feel better. Make mm -hmm. your bed in the morning. You feel good right away. It's a win to start. Yeah, just day. win. First thing, you make your bed, done. Check something off the to-do list. That's like gratification, instant gratification. It's easy to make your bed. It's like it's nice to keep your place clean. It's like the little things that just make you feel better about yourself. Like work hard, do th like a nice thing for somebody, hold the door for somebody. Like mm -hmm. very little kind things. Smile at somebody and get a smile back. Um, but like maybe maybe. Uh, 
like do little things that make you feel better about yourself and then you're less likely to hate yourself and want to hurt yourself but in the exercise is a big place i think exercise for sure but also being careful and conscious that you could get addicted to that um like treat yourself nicely go for a walk go for a nice run uh, get endorphins going because it makes you feel good. But that's another part of caring for yourself. Like eat healthy, take care of your body. It's all these things are going to make you feel better about yourself. They're going to make you want to do better and they're going to make you feel more confident about yourself. It's mm. like build self-esteem. Um, but yeah, I think working out is incredible because we want a high. Like I've, I love to I run. Know, I'm addicted to working out for sure. Yeah. Like I, you know what I mean? That's I where I get my best feelings. I love to run. I love to go on like as long a run as I possibly can to the point that I feel like I can't do it because then I feel even better about myself. Is it time? Sorry. No. No. Well, fuck oh, that. I didn't Gerard, know. Oh, pickleball? Gerard, yeah, Gerard. I was like, addicted, sorry, am I talking too much? If you're going to get addicted to something, if you're going <laughs> to get addicted to something, do you have time to talk about my Lord I and Savior pickleball? I, you, I really thought he was covering your I mouth with the was, pickleball. I thought, like, yeah. No. I thought he was like, all right, it's enough, Jamie. Have you heard, have you heard the good news, friend? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, is he checking like Wi-Fi? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this? What is this wand I haven't gotten on the pickleball train. But even that, like pickleball, jujitsu, it's you're doing something totally. fun, you're playing, but you're staying active. It makes yeah. you feel good. Um, so Go, like, going back to what you were saying about like cleaning the cleaning your environment and stuff, something that I have tried to be conscientiously better about after listening to Jordan Peterson talk to somebody else about it. And I know that it's like, you know, Goggins talks about it, but the environment, it, it really does make you, it gives you a sense of control. Like that you can control this and if you leave something somewhere, it's not gonna get done. I gotta clean it. And when I come home, you do see you feel better in a cleaner environment. Like I never really cared. I never cared about like messiness or something like that. But being conscientious about it does actually lift your spirits a little bit. It's well, weird. It's, it's discipline, it's an accomplishment, and it's also what what your environment is is where your brain is at. If things are scattered all over the place and you're that's like shows stress, in my opinion. For me, I can tell by the way my house looks for how I'm feeling. If it's clean, things are nice and like put away and whatever, I'm probably in a better headspace than if like I'm leaving things all over the place, I'm rushing around, I'm running out the door, I'm forgetting things. Um, so it just That's helps. It helps with like uh, lowering stress levels, I would say, like anxiety and stress. And and it's you're being responsible. You're most likely if you're a drug addict or um, like heavy in an addiction, you're you haven't been a functioning member of society. Now you have to relearn these things. Brush your teeth in the morning. Like girls, when we would be in rehab, it would be like exciting to go and brush your teeth, and it made you feel good about yourself because you hadn't taken care of yourself in so long. So like the little things, like brush your teeth, brush your hair, have good hygiene, like stuff like that. Like take care of yourself and start doing normal things but you're gonna feel satisfied because you're actually living. Yeah, you've uh, you've been super gracious and talking about all this stuff. You've been super vulnerable. I really appreciate it. Um, so I guess anybody listening to this, if you know, if, if you're struggling or you know someone who's struggling, if you uh, you know, you've just listened to all this things to be helpful, share it with somebody. You know, what I mean, send it to a friend. Like you can reach out to me. You can reach out to Jamie. Uh, reach out to G. Like you, you know, we like. It takes a community, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it, we, we, we got your back. We want to see you do great. I, you know, 
Yeah, especially if you're a sponsor. It makes Jamie feel, like, really good when she lands sponsors. So, like, uh, well, reach out to Jamie. Give Jamie a win. Like I said, you've been very gracious with this stuff. Now, let's talk about some of your future goals, some of the current business stuff you have going on. Like, I uh, know. One other can we thing. talk about Rendezvous at all? We can talk about Rendezvous. But one other thing. If, when you're getting sober, don't date for at least the first year. Just be smart about it. So many people relapse over that kind of thing. I took mm. a little extreme. But... Like, that's really important is surrounding yourself with people that want to see you do good and not putting yourself like keep all stress. Emotional highs, down. lows. Yeah. yeah. Keep all yeah, that's stress. Like, the, like a, a, not, a not stressful job. Yeah. Keep Something all stress. Take care of yourself. Just get sober. I think back on my days in rehab with like envy at this point. I'll be like, I wish I wish I just had to go to a meeting that someone made me breakfast. Someone told me when I had to lunch, dinner, I just had to go sit, talk like. I would love to just sit and read in my bed for hours like I used to. Like, I, I miss it. So, like, keep stress as low as possible. Just focus on staying sober. Um, and then when you get sober, start fucking living. Like, have a real life. Like, do, do things you want to do. I was fortunate that I have the most incredible job. I get to be around my brother. I get to be around my favorite sport. I get to be around people that, like, I... See, I was one of those smart capitalists. Right as she got out of rehab, I was like, come and work for yeah. me, Jamie. <laughs> 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 boy, boy, did I fucking knock it out of the park. Boy, did I have the foresight. Um, like, <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, and really, it is. Like, I, I, I love to work, and I love to achieve, and I, I put everything I have into it. Um, but it's also because I get to work with uh, mixed martial artists. I get to work with professional fighters. I see how hard you guys work. I see everything you put into it. My goal is just to make day to day a little bit easier if I if I can. Um, You're in the big leagues, man. I mean, it's pretty wild watching that. You know, sparring this morning. It was Robbie Lawler sitting next to Kamaru Usman, who's watching his brother, who is st who's sparring with you know Big Swarm, who's next to. You know, guy after guy after guy, who's going to headline this UFC event? Who's and you're sitting here watching all these guys, and it's like, man, this is you are in the big leagues, kid. You're in the big leagues. Yeah, and they all like everyone looks up to Jamie. <laughs> Jamie's like everyone's like everyone's little sister, but also like the, our big all our big sister little at the big same sister. time. Yeah. Um, but I I love it. All I want to do is make that place better. I like Kill Clip FC. I think is there. Nothing's ever been done like it before. Nothing ever will be. I One think. One of a kind. Dave Martin, Henry Hooft, you know, Robbie, when they when they all came together and they created this gym, like they did something different. And I'm really fortunate to be a part of it. Um, and I think every fighter there is really fortunate to be able to be a part of it. It's it's really everyone's fortunate to have you, too. Well, Mike Barwis was going off about it the other day, just how the way you put that place into shape like mm -hmm. you know well, that, that whole complex if you are a professional athlete or an aspiring professional athlete like you cannot find a better prep school yeah like that if you want to be a pro athlete i don't care where you are in the country come down to south florida you want to be a baseball player yeah. you want to be a football player you want to be a hockey player you want to be a fighter get in the barwis get in the barwis get in the barwis and be around these athletes these personalities yeah. these, if you, these if you professionals fancy yourself a tough guy come down to kill cliff yeah okay. it's if it's you something stick around yeah, it's something, it's, boy. It's, mean, it's something to see. It really, it, honestly, the only thing I've ever seen it, anything like it in my life is is the St. Louis Cardinals facility. I mean, it's it's that good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that professional. It's insane. And we're fortunate, like in MMA, it's exactly what you were talking about before: the humility that you build from being in the sport, knowing what it's like. Of course, the face to show, reality. Like 
every everybody in there for the most part you know they're they're just like the best people i get to work with awesome people people that i've looked up to enjoyed watching like i mean people yeah people think fighters like they'll always say to me like wow you're really nice for a fighter <laughs> i'm like i don't know what you think fighters are Mo the the biggest killers have the biggest hearts you take guys yeah. like hong like Linton. Ong is a person I mean? like, that you look at and you're like, what kind of skeletons do you have? Like, there's no you way. You must have killed a lot of people. There's in no <laughs> way. There's the, no way so someone's perfect? that nice. <laughs> yeah. Just the best person. Then you get to but know more thing, and you're you, like, but then you watch you're him even fight. better. But th yes. And then you watch him fight and you see he's a, he's a killer yeah. too. It's right. that antithesis. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that, that, that's... That, those Evan extremes, Elder, that the balances. same way. Evan yep. Elder, we talked about on the last podcast. is he nice? <laughs> yeah. So He's just the what, best. What about uh? What about uh? Rendezvous. Uh, other things uh, that you got. I know you rendezvous. Yeah. So rendezvous. Never thought I'd be a tech person, um, but you know I was trying to come up with a way for fighters to make money during the pandemic, and um, I had an idea. I spoke with somebody who Mickey had actually put me in touch with about um, like hosting live events and things like that, and we found that doing it virtually wasn't as easy as it seemed like it could be and that there was a lot of improvements there so oh, it's horrible we, we try in comedy we tried to do live shows you know those virtual shows yeah. and it was it was a nightmare it was awful well coming this fall i have something for you um we've been working on it for a few years now we're actually in yeah, you've a been working fucking hard on this too yeah you and steve and you you're on calls with people who, where where is uh so uh, our developers are in vietnam vietnam uh, um, i was gonna say korea which, i knew it was vietnam like vietnam that. but steve's from singapore one of those smart countries one of those, uh, <laughs> one of those smart countries um but they uh it's incredible what we've developed so far it's an app um it's also usable on a web page and we are uh we're going through a round of funding, so any investors interested in this, please give me a we'll, call. We'll put a, <laughs> and you've had some success with uh, with the we, investors we already, already. We already raised okay. um, a, a significant amount and are doing the next one so that. I did not know you were looking for investment. We have some people that can help. Oh, well, well, I'm happy to hear that. Um, you, yeah. we'll, we'll, t we'll put a, a link to Rendezvous at the, at the bottom. Yeah, that'd be and, awesome. Uh, yeah, spell it though for us. It's so it's rendezvous, how spelled how it sounds. So R O N D E Y V U. So rendezvous. 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 And it was also <laughs> the available available URL. It's, it's, um, spe it's spelled like if you were born in New Orleans and got no, a name. <laughs> <laughs> but we um yeah, we we have So like Thick's going to be doing a lot of stuff on rendezvous for yeah. sure. So um, we're gonna uh, be, we're in alpha testing right now. We're gonna you know launch it beta, and um, would love everybody to get on there and check it out. Yeah, and Slick and Thick is gonna be doing a lot of stuff on it, right? Yeah, so I'm excited tuned, for it. Right? It's uh, it's really cool. We've been working on it for a while, and uh, the cool what's one part that is very different from us is like most of the time something's created, you have to go find the the people to be a part of it. But because it kind of feeds into both of my jobs, unfortunately, like the relationships that we've created throughout it, um, it's uh, it's really cool. I'm excited for it, and I'm excited for everyone to finally get to see yeah, it. I'm excited for you to fucking... To the moon. To the moon. Jamie, Jamie. G to the moon. Jamie, we can sit and talk to <laughs> Jamie you for Moneybags. another four hours. You're amazing. Thank you so well, much hold for on. finally... Before you close out, this is my podcast now. It's the Gall Takeover. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> What just happened here? 
Yeah, Jane, you want to sign us out? Yeah, I'll, uh, put, I'll put, take us out. Put the menace glasses on. You want the glasses? Put the menace glasses on. Get my, get my, all right, get I'll take off these, my, my gorgeous Nevin glasses. I love these Nevin glasses. Yeah. You know, most sunglasses Jamie G can't wear because they sit on my cheeks and they move too much, but Nevin, I don't have that problem with them. So, yeah, this is the... Uh, slick and skinny podcast <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate you guys being here today what gerard. Else? talk a little bit more about talk a little about gerard talk a little about me oh uh, well ahead. gerard we don't remember him anymore he's he's lost from the podcast shutting uh, down the g-man she, she's re, she's replaced me she's slick and skinny now i'm it's gone slick and skinny these these glasses are a menace these glasses <laughs> are a menace problem. These you, know, glasses gerard, are a problem. Was, you had a nice run i Thank think you. i think people enjoyed you a lot you made a lot of people happy a lot Thank of people you. laughed but your time's coming. That, this, is you the, know. this is, oddly enough, the second time I've been killed off this podcast. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it's, uh, it's important to know when your time has come, you know? Yep. Um, but, Mickey, I think we have a really bright future together. Fucking I think right. uh, the Gauls, you know, taking over this podcast. Hit a moon. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for... Slick and for curly. Slick and curly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, that works quite well. It has a nice ring to it. Well, go ahead and t- take us out. Since I don't know. We're gonna... I, I haven't, I haven't done this enough. So well, uh, I'll, you'll, you'll pass the glasses back to me. We'll I'll let pass uh, on the yeah, maybe let G for his last right, final for the last time. one. Take us out. I was just gonna keep talking. <laughs> Guys, uh, and, and, and in the beginning, you were like, "I'm shy. I'm shy. <laughs> I'm just I'm silly, little... shy girl." This has Wait, can been. We get that on the camera. Thank you so much to Natalie <laughs> what back. Are, what at, are you, Jamie? Thank you so much oh, to I'm Natalie back so at Gas Digital. So thank you to Ben. Thank you to Christian here Gerard's in the podcast junkie studio. I am the funniest man you never heard of, Gerard Michaels. That is the great Mickey Gall. She has been Jamie G. This has been Slick and Jamie, Thick. Jamie, thank you very much for being so gracious and vulnerable. I fucking love you more than anything, and I appreciate you. So proud of you. If you like this, tell your friends, please share them and tell them that they can use code S&T for a free week of Slick and Thick and all Gas Digital. GasDigital.com, code S&T. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest. Hey, we're here for you. We love you guys. Reach out. Uh, live your best life. That's right. Follow us on Twitter, on TikTok, on all the social medias, on YouTube and on Instagram. And you can change. At we all can change. Slick and Thick Show. And you can find us here on Gas Digital every Monday and Saturday at 2 what? o'clock. Peace.